you glad we watched the OC where we are all the indoor frog fountain in the living room of the model home. <laughs> I'm Sarah once again and this is once again Evan and this is the podcast where I have seen the OC and Evan has not and we are still in the all over plot line. We are we, just, we live here now. We live here now. We just we're trapped like Groundhog Day in the fucking Oliver plotline. Yes. That's... No, I'm not a huge fan. Well, mm, I won't spoil anything, but uh, I will say that I was not a huge fan of the Oliver plotline mm. uh, at the beginning of the Oliver plotline. Mm. You'll have to stick around to the end of the episode, uh, listener, to see if I am... Uh, if my, if my opinion of the Oliver plotline has changed in any way. The Oliver plotline that we are referring to is this, we're discussing episode 17 Mm -hmm. of the OC entitled The Rivals. Piece of trivia about this episode. This is the first episode that broke 17 million viewers when it was originally airing. Oh, interesting. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So, bitches heard about the Oliver plotline. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, my condolences to bitches. <laughs> we are bitches. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. I guess we have to do a news segment, right? Uh, we don't um, have to. <laughs> we don't have to. Massive train derailment in Ohio. Um, horrible toxic chemicals spewed into the atmosphere and also the ground um i'm getting conflicting conflicting information from tumblr.com about the severity your only source of news <laughs> the only source of news that i pay any attention to whatsoever is tumblr.com mm-hmm. uh the microblogging platform so um some of my sources <laughs> I like saying my sources like I'm a fucking journalist. We are legit going to set up a Tumblr for this here podcast uh-huh. because every other social media platform seems to be crumbling and on its last legs. So it is hot garbage. Join Tumblr, I Please guess. Please join Tumblr. Oh, but for God's sake, if you're going to join Tumblr, make a fucking profile. Like, put a, you do put, like, change the profile. No, like, honestly, like, you have to change the profile pic. You have to put something in your bio because if you don't and you follow somebody that's actually like been on Tumblr and knows about Tumblr and sort of like Tumblr culture and, you know, the folkways and mores of Tumblr. uh, If you follow somebody and you look generic, like if you don't have a bio and if you don't have any posts or reblogs and you don't have a different avatar than one of the um, default avatars, you will be blocked uh, and you will be reported because uh, Tumblr, like every other social media website, uh, is infested um, with bots. 
um, and scripts and algorithms. Sex bots. Um, well, you know, it's 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 not sexy it's, bots. It's not sadly, it's not just sexy. Bots. It is. We're getting. Um, I am getting a lot of sexy bots. In any case, anyway, yeah. Kathy is not going to start a Tumblr. <laughs> this line of uh, and Mary has a secret Tumblr that uh, she will never disclose to us, uh, uh, which is fine. You you know, privacy is a human right. Uh, do not let me peer pressure you into revealing your secret Tumblr. We should um, never be a cashless society because privacy is a human right. Yep, privacy is super important. Yep. Oh, where was I that it was cashless? Um, shit. Where the fuck was I? It was just somewhere recently. Oh, oh, oh! The High Noon Saloon is a cashless fucking venue. Boo. Yeah, there's still a tip jar for cash. Boo. Um, but like... If you're going to the High Noon Selena and you Selene? If you're going to the High Noon Selena Gomez and if you're going to the High Noon Selene Dion and you know that they're a cashless enterprise, are you gonna bring cash to tip? But also tipping on the card. But also tipping on the card, that gets taxed yep. uh, for the server. Yep. So that cashola, they're, you know, technically the business is supposed to be reporting it, but like a good person won't report it because getting taxed on your pittance that is your tips good god that's just one of the absolute worst fucking cruelties of this awful awful society um so did you want to connect this at so all? yeah train derailment train? in ohio um you know oh yeah no tumblr.com my new seems speed. bad my new <laughs> lots of chemicals i don't think i'm going to endorse the train wreck i heard uh, Someone describe it as a mini Chernobyl, which is oh mini noble, mini noble. Oh, that's very chibi cute. noble. No, too soon. <laughs> We're not. No, but it's a perfect portmanteau. <laughs> get it, chibi noble. Uh, like chibi from anime. Yeah, I get it. And Cher- Chernobyl. I don't accept it, chibi but noble. I get it. Wow. <laughs> wow. Unappreciated in my time. It's, Unappreciated in my marriage. I, I appreciate you when you're funny. <laughs> oh, and hey, that segues into this fucking episode. Really does. It? Let's let's <laughs> let's cut the okay, news that's there. The end of the, that's the end of the news. It's <laughs> been Junior Reporter Evan. Yes. So pronouns any all. Pronouns any all. Today, <laughs> as I said, this episode is entitled The Rivals. The Rivals. We will discuss this um, at some point in this episode, but this does have last episode, the through line to the title wasn't necessarily super clear with the parallels. It is very clear in this one. Yes, good Christ, is it? Yeah. That just beats you over the fucking head with them. Uh, like, th- this is the fucking parallel! I believe but, oh, what sorry, I sorry. said to you even before the episode started, we sat on the couch and I said, this episode is going to make you really angry. <laughs> and you know what's really interesting? But you seem fine. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Well, and you saw my reaction. Uh-huh. At the beginning of the episode, I was furious. Uh-huh. And then everything sort of got okay at the end. And we'll talk about it. We will talk. I'm stoked. To talk about it. All right. I'm really excited to see where this episode takes us. Um, this episode of our podcast, not this episode that we just watched of uh, the OC, because oh, I know where that took us. Oh, spoiler for what we're going to discuss in this episode for me. Mm-hmm. Um, remember how last episode or two episodes ago? I don't fucking remember. Uh, Marissa. Uh, 
expunged all of the goodwill that I had built up for her. What action? What? How did she expunge? I don't remember. Remind she, me. That was last episode. She was just kind of blindly following Oliver and and being a kind of tool and whatever. Mm-hmm. The point is, she had a lot of goodwill built up in my mind from prior episodes. Oh yes, yes, yes. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, she was a complete putz in the last episode. Yeah. Because it was so obvious to the viewer that yeah, what Oliver's intentions were. In this episode, Seth is a fucking dingleberry. <laughs> Oh, interesting. Oh, yes. No, Seth is absolutely. Yes. Yes. You know, there's a lot of dingleberryhood going on in this episode. Sort of in general. Yeah. Yeah. Can you? Okay. Do me a quick favor. Uh I would like for us to define uh, terms for our A plot, our B plot and our C plot. At the, here at the beginning so that we know yep. what we're all on the same page okay. as this episode goes. So A plot, A plot for is, me is Oliver's storyline. Yeah, Oliver's right? storyline. Okay, what's your B plot? B plot is Seth. Okay, and Seth Summer and Anna and... and um, Danny? So, yeah, like, that B plot is sort of convoluted, but I would say it's... Oh, fuck, I think there might even be a goddamn E plot in this fucking thing. Because, okay, A-plot is obviously the Oliver's plot line. Yeah. The Oliver storyline. Yep. B-plot, I want to say, because it plays into the title of the episode, is Seth Danny. Mm-hmm. C-plot, I think, is Seth Anna Summer. E-plot for me... Wait, A, B, C... D, D-plot. I know my alphabet. D-plot is Sandy Jimmy. Fuck. What e about plot Kirsten is Kirsten and Julie. Julie. Yeah. You could, there are five plots in this fucking episode. Yeah. You could say that or you could say what's going on with the children versus what's going on with the adults and make that cleaner. But also the larger point is who cares? Yes. And also this is our podcast. So I'm going to go with A, B, C, D, E plot. Okay. Uh, but I will absolutely forget which ones those are oh oh here we go okay so this is actually how i'm going to refer to them uh as shorthand we ready yep um seth uh, no seth not seth um ryan oliver Uh we're gonna we're gonna do combinations of people okay right so the ryan oliver plot well we're gonna say the oliver plot Mm -hmm. that's how we've been referring to it colloquially um the in our off hours uh, yes uh, in our um, academic papers that we've been writing on the subject. Yes. Um, they will Entitled, be peer-reviewed eventually. Fuck Seth Cohen. <laughs> uh, because fuck Seth Cohen. Anyway, we have to start talking. It was talking. just so bad because like he had gained such goodwill I think in we, our hearts. We turned off the episode and I said, was the writer's strike happening <laughs> at this point in time? I do not remember genuinely. <laughs> Okay. So, no, 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 no. I, I, sorry. I need to. Okay. So it's Oliver plotline. Uh huh. Um, Seth, Anna, uh, Seth, Danny, Summer, Kirsten, uh, Julie, um, S- Sandy, Jimmy. Yeah. Christ, there's so many fucking characters in this goddamn show. Uh huh. This is the fucking brothers Karamazov in this goddamn thing. Christ. It really is. Who the fuck wrote this thing? <laughs> Kurt Vonnegut. Third graders. <laughs> and then the boy was mad at the girl. Um, so we opened at school. 
in the exterior of the school. Seth and Ryan are walking and Ryan is trying desperately to get anyone on his side about thinking that Oliver is weird and shady. Yeah. And Seth is having none of it. Nope. He is like, no man, are you just jealous? Cause he's like worldly. Yeah. What do you say? Cause he's rich and worldly. Yeah. yeah. But then he, in the same breath, or the next breath, he says, chemically dependent and clinically depressed. Mm-hmm. So so there's that or mm-hmm. something along those lines. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's just lazy writing. It is. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, did we, had we accepted that everyone is just depressed all the time in 2007? Is that? The, um... But also, Seth, this episode is highly distracted. Yeah. Seth is very, I am, I am what? I am not happy when we are not about us. Yes. <laughs> and he makes, I am made uncomfortable when we are not about me. There we go. Thank you. Yes. Um, there's plenty of times in the episode where Seth will ask a question about something or he'll try and get Ryan's opinion on something that he's going through and Ryan will pay him like a second and a half of lip service, change the subject to himself, and Seth will say something like, oh yeah, that's so cool, I'm glad we spent a second on me or something like that. Seth is feeling a little um, second fiddle. Yeah, but he's also feeling a little like, you know... You know, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, we're always about you, Ryan, you know, like, ever, we're always constantly, you know, whatever. You get what I'm saying. It's because... Uh, uh, anyway, Seth is trying to steer the conversation back to himself because he is insecure about the fact that um, he thinks he's dating, quote, the female me. Yeah, oh, for quote, Christ's sake, this because, is so fucking labored. Because Summer has... Uh, in the previous Leon. In the previous Leon, they yeah. replayed the, oh, you guys are like brother and sister, that Summer said. You're like exactly the same. You guys are like siblings. Yeah. So they don't agree on anything um, is this where Seth says at first you gotta you gotta get to know the friend? Yes. Yeah. Um, and honestly, you know, from Seth's perspective, I think his his advice in this regard is actually pretty good. Um, he's like Ryan, dude. You know what has the guy done? He's invited us to a bunch of parties. You know, um, yeah. You know, he he's a little unstable, but so is everyone, or something like that. And this also, I guess it could be seen as not a commentary because this show wouldn't know how to comment on anything <laughs> if it had a fucking megaphone <laughs> and was standing on the quad. Um, it could be a commentary on teenagers are incredibly self-absorbed. But no, no, that's not even accurate because we've commented before on this show very conveniently wants the teenagers to be adults sometimes yep. and they want them to be teenagers sometimes yep. and it's just kind of at the whim yep. of the plot line. Yep. So today's whim is we're teens again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's yeah, very yeah. good. So they um, have this conversation cut to inside Ryan, the school, Ryan and Marissa are having a conversation by the lockers and Marissa genuinely has no understanding of what Ryan's deal is with Oliver, which is, 
I am stymied. I am stymied by this. Yeah. Um, I am befuddled. So um, <laughs> Ryan seems to be taking <clears throat> Seth's advice to heart. Yeah. He's like, okay, embrace the friend. He's he's Marissa's that was the phrase. Friend. Embrace the friend. Yeah, embrace yeah. the friend. So they go inside. Um, Ryan sees Marissa. If you recall from last time, Marissa was going to stay the night with Oliver at his place to make sure he didn't try and hurt himself again. Yep. Um, so Ryan asks, how's Oliver? She's like, do you really want to know? And he's like, yes, he's your friend, which means he's my friend. Yeah. And this really touches Marissa. Yeah. Because one of Marissa's sticking points that I do totally agree with, whether or not she's completely oblivious to Oliver's actual intentions, um, is Ryan's, Ryan's suspicions to Marissa read much less like um not trusting Oliver and much more like not trusting her. Yeah. And she knows she is a trustworthy person in this regard. So for her, she's like, for her, Ryan's saying, if he's your friend, he's my friend. To me, at least, the way that I read it, and she, you know, smooches him and she's like, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, it, it shows her that, you know, he trusts her. And that's a big thing. Trust is a big thing. Yeah. So they kind of get over that little hurdle. They're making up. And then some guy, a teacher, uh, I thought he was the guy from Community for a half second. <laughs> Jim Rash. It's not Jim it's Rash. It's not Jim Rash. Unfortunately. Pops his head around the corner and he's like, hey, guys. Guess who goes to this school now? And then walks in Oliver. Yep. Yep. We cut to credits. We come back. We come back to Seth and Anna talking about how they're too similar and how they never do anything new and how uh they what question yeah how long do you think they have been dating now time is always sort of nebulous in this show yeah. when it's not conveniently like a holiday episode i'm gonna put everybody somewhere in february because i th- believe that valentine's day does happen on this show okay so early february so two months at the most okay because like, they technically got together like new year's day new year's eve right? yeah, yeah, yeah 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 okay and two months obviously can feel like an eternity to a high schooler. Mm-hmm. But like Anna and Seth have managed. I, I wanted to say that this mirrors um, parts of the the episode where they were talking about being in a rut. The adults yeah. in adult world. Yep. Because they were like, oh, today, this day of the week is tuna fish day. And this day of the week is blah, blah, blah. And, and we're like, going to go play Jenga. Right. And like, they've got all these great old person things that they love to do. Yeah. And again, it just seems like fucking paradise to me. I'm like, yes, go see a fucking documentary about birds. It was fine with Seth until it was not fine with Summer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like fucking goddamn Seth. You know, he had, he had, he had gained, oh, yep. he had gained so much goodwill. We were like, oh my gosh, I kind of don't hate Seth. Like, okay. Um, listener, we play Animal Crossing New Horizons on our Switch. 
um, your cute little animal villagers. That's switch. When they come and talk to you, each one, when they move to your island, they have a little saying. They have like a dumb little phrase that they come along with. And as you get to know them every now and then, they'll ask you to change their saying. And then you can just put words in their mouth and say, make them say things. Um, and Sarah will often uh, troll me by having them say terrible things. Um, but <laughs> Excuse me, how is exclaiming Julia Roberts apropos <laughs> of nothing a terrible thing? It just doesn't make sense for Octavian to say it. <laughs> That's just out of character for Octavian. Anyone who knows Octavian, get at me. I'm going to make a Tumblr and I will make a post about this or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. It's just out of character. But anyway, um, Sarah made, who says Seth Cohen sucks? Uh, Lily. Is it Lily? Yeah. So one of the characters will greet you by saying Seth Cohen sucks. <laughs> and we made that. You you did that when we were deep in the throes of Seth Cohen sucks. I, I felt bad for like a half second because he stopped sucking for a minute, but now he is back. And sucking. Even God. harder. So hard. Even This harder. whole fucking B plot, if I'm going to say this is the B plot, is just so fucking tiresome because I really liked Seth and Anna together. It made sense. They were intellectual equals. They enjoyed each other's senses of humor. Um, she, they, they both wear confusing outfits sometimes. Hers more confusing than his. I mean, that you know where this is going. Of course you I know, know where this is that going. it's going to Seth and Summer. And it's they, just so aggravating. They just had to find a way to make it happen. And this is the most, like you said, convoluted way it's just to make it happen. So like have her just have her transfer schools or some fucking shit. It's Wasn't she from Philadelphia? So stupid. It's very stupid. I'm so sick of it. But um, whatever they're gonna do what the fuck they're gonna do. They're wearing in this scene those track jackets kind of they're like soccer warm-up yeah i've i've got uh, i used to have a similar jacket yeah yeah emily had one yeah when we were teens i believe but i remember yours yours was brown and yellow correct yep that's the one that we're both thinking of they've got sort of how would you describe that collar it's hard to describe. I don't know. It doesn't okay. matter. Uh, let's just say this whole episode, some of the visual language that they employ to drive home that these characters are becoming too similar or are too similar or... Fr and, like, as if that's a bad thing? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, heaven forbid you have something in fucking common with the person you're spending time with. Yeah. Oh, heaven forfend. <laughs> like, what the fuck? If you're complete polar opposite... Like, Christ almighty, we spent most of the first half of this goddamn season with Seth and Summer at their goddamn throats. Do you remember the fucking one where they're going to Tijuana? Uh-huh. Where fucking he and she are basically fighting like fucking enemies? But then there was also- And yet he's still fucking pining for her for some goddamn reason? You know why. You know why. Just, it's fucked. It's so fucked and it's so stupid. And I was so glad when they were starting to move away from that direction. And now they're just steering the boat. They're just spinning that wheel. And they're just hard to start to starboard back towards shitty Seth Cohen again. So now while they're having this conversation, guess who walks into the conversation? The rest of the fucking kids. It's Marissa and Ryan. 
and Oliver. Yep. And Ryan is like, hey, guys, guess what? <laughs> Oliver goes to our school now. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. He's like swallowing his rage. His fucking vein is sticking out on the side of his neck like a fucking garden hose. Like, I don't, I do not give two shits, frankly, about the B-plot with Seth and Summer and blah, blah, blah. What I give shits about is there's a difference between being wrapped up in yourself and listening to mm-hmm. anything yeah. that someone has to say. Yeah. Uh, and that that was very poorly put. But, like, I loved the Seth and Ryan relationship because they were vibing with each other. Yeah. And they were each other's people when they didn't really have people. Yes. And they very conveniently take Ryan's background into account only sometimes (laughs) in the plot. But you would think that Seth would have a little bit of interest in hearing what but the other thing i'm sorry i'm just kind of no i think i know where you're about to go you're sort of following ryan does the worst job of actually saying he's (laughs) got the words to say this kid was hitting himself in the face yeah while i was talking to him yeah he's done a lot of alarming things yes does no one remember that he was busted for coke yes two days ago yes he has the language to bring those up but he's just like i think he's suspicious yeah yeah (laughs) it's he's the the vagaries that he uses the vagaries let's not kid ourselves and this, you are discussing a much larger trope in television writing. Yeah. Which gets so, I'll just keep using the word tiresome because it's so exhausting when characters don't, you know, they just don't say what is obvious and what is apparent and what happened. And, you know, they dance around topics. And uh, you know, there's other very convenient plot things that happen in this episode that we'll yeah. get to eventually a mental asterisk about the locker scene, okay? Uh-huh. When we get to the locker scene, th- we're going to talk more about tired, played out, cliched television tropes uh, that aggravate the fucking Jesus out of me. Uh, the other thing that I want to sort of pin like a tail on a donkey to your point is Ryan does have the words. Uh, he does not use those words. And my question to you, and I don't think it's rhetorical, is even if he did use those words, would anyone listen? Because if there's one consistency throughout this whole goddamn show, it's that ain't nobody listening, actually listening to the lived experience of one Ryan Atwood. Yeah. But it is also sort of consistent with his character to not be articulate. Like, I think they said in an earlier episode... Like you said, more than two words today, right? <laughs> yeah. So, like, I'm mad at it, but it's also, it's a through line. It's, yep, it's very consistent with his character. So, whatever. And yeah. so, Oliver mentions, this is, I think this might be like a little pin that they drop to uh, show that maybe Marissa isn't entirely comfortable with Oliver. What's that? He says, um, 
to Marissa, you didn't tell anybody that I was going to go here? Oh, yeah. And she said, well, I didn't think you were serious. Yeah. And guess what else, everybody? Oliver has Marissa's exact same schedule. Oh, my gosh. Who would have thought? What are the odds? You know, the way he phrases it is great. He's like, yeah, I guess we have the exact same schedule. What a weird coincidence. (laughs) Yeah. Ryan does everything except look directly at the camera and mug. Yeah. Yeah, He fully is doing in his head a gym from the office. (laughs) Yes. Yes, he is. He is the Jim from the office of this episode. <laughs> right, yeah. Is anyone else seeing this? Yeah. I, 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 I can't be the only person seeing this, right? Yeah. So I think everybody else exists and he's talking to Seth real quick. And Seth says, I was trying to take one more shot at talking about myself. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Seth is so desperate to have, like, to be heard with his... It is very dumb made up problem. It's a very it's a dumb very... made up problem, which is why no one wants to listen to him. Shut the fuck up, Seth. Oh. But I was going to also say he's self- at least he's self-aware. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So what does Ryan say? Um, I did not note that far. I was just taking broader general. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like what they say isn't important. He's just like. Well, Ryan like talks more about Oliver, right? Where he's like, don't you think it's awfully convenient that they have the exact same schedule? And now he goes to this fucking school. Yeah. 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 Um, so we cut to. the. And it is awfully convenient. It is awfully convenient. Sorry, we cut. We cut to Cohen's. Sandy is on the phone with, uh, I guess, his paralegal. Yeah. Somebody who yeah. we never see. Nope. Um, and he's like, I'm doing what at the what courthouse room now? I have a 16-year-old on the docket. Burp, burp, burp. I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. Lawyer words. <laughs> Terminology. Emancipation. That's not. Habeas corpus. <laughs> ah. Is Jimmy in the scene or does he walk into the Pro scene? Pro forma. Pro forma. Uh, I think he walks into the scene. He walks into the scene, yeah. yeah. And um, Sandy's like, hey, Jimmy, <laughs> we're going to get the lighthouse, which is, do you like how that voice kind of started off as one thing? It was and- Kermit the Frog to begin with. It was a perfect <laughs> Kermit the Frog. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that's not a good turn. That's almost, that's almost Homsar. I don't know if I could do a Kermit. Because I do a decent Miss Piggy. That was a squealy guitar. That was Homsar. (laughs) Oh no, Homsar is a... That's what I was trying to do. I was raised by a cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) So... The theme of this episode is deeply inconsistent characters who are fucking idiots also. Deeply inconsistent characters. So last episode, Jimmy, if you recall, was like, if only I could get a job to be able to stay in Newport and see both of my daughters who have not been in the same frame is me <laughs> for at least three episodes yeah fuck we haven't seen him in 
in the same space as fucking what's as any of his well let's not kid ourselves we ain't seen his other daughter in a while now okay but here's 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 another <laughs> she thing she ostensibly exists here's another thing Julie and Jimmy have no knowledge and or problem with Marissa spending so much time with Oliver? Mm-hmm. Have they met Oliver? Right? Did they know about the cocaine bus? Right? Are oh my they, god, that never even occurred to their me. Their plot line is completely divested from anything remotely to do with being a parent. Yeah, oh my god, they are not present at all for like any of that shit which would be you know if we're treating this as a straight up soap opera with different characters who have nothing to do with each other that would be fine they're supposed to be her goddamn parents parents and they made a big deal out of being parents in all of almost all of the episodes up until the last yeah fuck because she was hanging out with ryan atwood she was nearly sent to a fucking institution. Uh-huh. Because she liked fucking Ryan Atwood. Uh-huh. Now she's hanging out with a guy who literally tried to kill himself. Uh-huh. And that's, I guess, totally fine. She, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, honey, you want to go hang out with this kid whose parents appear not to exist? Who lives in a fucking hotel by himself? But it's Yeah, sure, go hang... Oh, yeah, go spend the fucking night with him! But it's the fourth season, so he obviously has money. But, like, Jesus Christ, that never even fucking occurred to me. Yeah, honey, go spend the night with a strange boy who attempted suicide in his fucking hotel with no parental guardianship whatsoever. Sounds fucking great. So not only is Jimmy not parenting his daughter worth a goddamn. Yeah, no, not he's at like, fucking all. He's like, I don't know about this restaurant. I don't know if I am okay with you literally holding my hand through this entire <laughs> thing and setting it up so I can get everything that I want. Right. And without putting up any money or effort. putting up any capital or effort or anything. <laughs> blacklisted from everything else. Oh no, saving any of my prospects of this place where I live and have family. Uh Oh no. It's almost like he wants to just abandon his whole fucking life here and move to Phoenix. I mean, Phoenix, it's a dry heat. He could start over again. (laughs) So we cut from that scene to uh, Kirsten's office and Julie is angling to get a job as an interior designer. She's for, like, hey, Kirsten, we should get coffee. We or, should get or, Nobu. We should go. We could get, uh, we could get many petties. Or we could, or don't you want it? We could go cave, cave diving at a, at a cenote. <laughs> really, anything. I want to be gal pals. We could bring the Ouija board in. We could talk to our dead relatives. <laughs> dissect a dog and Kirsten's response to this I know how to buy a dead dog is very sensibly <laughs> Ju- uh, Julie when friends want something they kind of just ask they can just ask yeah Yeah. and it's great I love how Julie's demeanor changes on a fucking dime yeah she's like I want the job yeah and she is there's this great exchange Julie is like, I've just been really into interior design my whole life. I was super into it before I had Marissa. 
And Kirsten goes, you had Marissa when you were 18. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, but I decorated my locker. (laughs) (laughs) My trapper keeper was immaculate. (laughs) So she sweet talks her way into the job because obviously. At least she sweets. What does Kirsten say? Oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted you. Kirsten agrees to it because like they don't have anybody else to do it. And Julie is kind of exploiting that piece of knowledge. And Julie is like. Fire. But she gives her like on like a trial basis. Yeah, and right? she's like, "Here's my list of vendors. Just fucking use them." Right. There's blah, a model blah. home. Yep. That we've got to. We assume one of them didn't burn down. I was gonna say we're really hoping Ryan doesn't burn this one down. You know, so far he's just one for one. Honestly, if I were Ryan, I would. <laughs> I would go after this one too. You fucking bitches. Burn down every fucking model. Every home single one. Until their business is no longer viable. <laughs> um, so he, she gets the job. Well, yeah. Uh, she's not like hired right there. She, what? Basically, Kirsten is like, okay, yeah, you, you can do this model home. We'll see how it goes. Right. Yeah. So then we're back at school. And it is lunchtime. I believe we're in an area of the school that we have not been to yet. The outdoor lunch tables and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And there's, you hear this like ear splitting laughter. Yes. Who do we start on? Who are we with? I think we're Seth? following Seth and Anna walking towards this table. Okay. And it is a table with Summer and her new man friend. Yes. Danny. Danny. We are introduced to Danny. Danny is a lot. (laughs) But he's meant to be a lot. He is meant to be a lot. In Seth's words, he is big. Yeah. Uh, His, yeah. He's making extremely stupid jokes. Yeah. And everyone at the table is in fucking stitches. They're losing their goddamn minds. Luke, Luke is, especially is going to hyperventilate. He's about to pass yeah. the fuck out. Yeah, he's he not actually living. like he's not actually like aerating. Yeah, like his brain is not getting enough oxygen. He's laughing so hard. And Seth is obviously cuz Seth is fucking Seth. He's like his masculinity is being attacked because the one thing that mm. he's like mm-hmm. known for I'm a funny guy he's a funny guy I'm a funny guy yep so what is the joke that he tries to make I don't even remember okay yeah so um, to explain to people at home about the the comedy of Danny versus the comedy of one Seth Cohen Danny's comedy is very broad think um, Jim Carrey, uh, circa, say Ace circa Ventura. Ace Ventura. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Um, oh yeah, and let's also not gloss over the fact that Summer is also losing her goddamn mind. Uh-huh. Summer enters the scene on Danny's arm. She's like touching up on him. She's like, oh my god, Danny is the funniest guy. But this is very important. You might think um, you could you'd be forgiven for thinking that Summer had introduced this character as in an attempt to get to Seth Cohen. She honestly seems to think that Danny is very, very funny. But we do not get any indication of this until later in the episode. So yeah. Putting um, all the pieces together in retrospect, yes. Danny is making very, very stupid jokes. Um, and you know what? Good for Danny. 
It's fine. Sometimes stupid jokes are funny. He's got kind of spiky hair. Luke is about to shit his pants. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What does Seth say? He says something that doesn't land at all. It's a joke. Nobody laughs. It's, it's, you basically hear crickets in the scene and everyone kind of stares at him and they're like, uh-huh. yeah. Then he was- doesn't he try a second joke and it doesn't land and Danny says something like, oh man, you, you should try being funny. <laughs> <laughs> and Seth dies a little in <laughs> and Hugh and I rejoiced inside right, yeah. and then Danny makes a fart noise and everyone loses their mind <laughs> so now we're in the student lounge which is also an area of the school that we have not been introduced to previously yeah and Jesus fucking Christ the student lounge do listeners, you want to describe it listeners did you have a pool table in your student lounge that was definitely a thing in high school. Did you have what appear to be multiple um, first generation retro arcades, upright arcades in your fucking lounge? Did you have all leather couches? I was going to say all leather interiors of this fucking thing. It's like Christ. Because girlies, we did not. Yeah, none of us fucking did. No school does. Unless, is this a real fucking school that they shot this goddamn thing in? I do not recall. I will research and get back to you I would in be the curious. next episode. I would, it would probably have to be, wouldn't it? They're not going to build these sets. That would be know. impossible. No it one's could, got the money for that. It could be a soundstage. I wonder. Anyway. Um... Ryan is, is Ryan playing pool here too? Or is he just like on a couch? Uh, I think he's on a he's couch. He's on a couch. Yep, he's reading yep. on a couch. It's one of the many fully leather couches. Yes. Um, Oliver approaches Ryan and we learn that Oliver is redoing his junior year. Mm-hmm. Like, here's another piece of trivia about the logic of this show. Ready? Yep. When the season started, they were technically supposed to be sophomores. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But they didn't know whether the show was going to get picked up or not. Oh. So they made them juniors just like (laughs) mid-season to capitalize on getting them out of high school as quickly as possible. Well, they spend so little fucking time doing high school things anyway. It's sort of irrelevant. There was fully a locker in this episode. (laughs) Excuse you. (laughs) Do you name a single one of their teachers? Beardy, that guy. (laughs) Jim Rash. Science person. Not Jim Rash. Bill Nye the science guy? Dr. Kim. Oh my god. Is the dean. And she is not one of their teachers and you only know her name because she's in this episode. So Ryan is trying his best to detective. Oh my god, Ryan's (laughs) Ryan's whole fucking deal in this scene is great. (laughs) Yeah, he's like (laughs) his whole thing is like he's basically like law and order bad cop Yeah, through gritted teeth he's like so (laughs) you go to this school now huh how how does that work (laughs) that's wacky Mm -hmm. he's like got this horribly pained fucking forced smile on his face it's hysterical his eyes are narrowed there's a lot of eye acting. Yeah, there's a there's lot of so eye acting. so much like the darting back and forth. He's like doing like the half laughing that just makes you sound a little off. Yep. He's like, I thought you were a senior. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, so fucking why would you transfer here when there's a semester left in the year? Mm-hmm. And 
Oliver refers to an incident. Yep, he says, well, you know, yeah, school. there was an incident at my uh-huh. old school. That uh, raises Ryan's eyebrows, some eyebrows a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Marissa Did shows up. Did you say up. some eyebrows? Eyebrows. <laughs> Those are Ryan eyebrows? Uh-huh. Some eyebrows. I'm sorry. Keep going. That just caught me. We're eyebrowing. We're eyebrowing over here. This is some real eyebrow comedy. I'll tell you. Yes. Marissa shows up and is like, hi. Hey, Ryan. Do you want to go to Oliver's place after school? Because we're going to review some French and I'm going to help him with the French. I'm going to help him with French. And Ryan's like. Didn't you live in France <laughs> for a year, for two years? And uh, uh, fucking uh, Oliver's response is like uh, one year. And he's like, he was still, you lived in France for a year. And he's like, well, uh, sneaking into clubs is not exactly the same as conjugating the infinitive. And I was like, yeah, no, he's a dummy. He doesn't speak any French because conjugating the infinitive in French is the easiest fucking thing in the whole goddamn world. Also, he mentioned he was 13. That child, that, that, okay, fully that actor is 35, but (laughs) let us imagine that actor at age 13. There is Mm -hmm. no way you are sneaking into a club. Well, in France, yeah, you don't really give a shit, do they? I don't know, do they? Oh, mais oui. Oh la la, c'est un minor. Bienvenue à la sex club. I love Red District of Lights. So Ryan gets invited to this French review session. Ryan declines. And then we cut to the Coens just before dinner. Now, oh, really quick. Can I just add? He declines. Um, Marissa is like, are you sure? And he says, yeah, I trust you. Yep. Again. And she says you should. Yep. In this episode, uh, trust is a key uh, theme. Yep. Okay. So then we cut to Coens before dinner. Um, Seth and Ryan are respectively freaking out and spiraling <laughs> about their various things. And Seth plants the idea that, and I, we're not supposed to know whether he's joking or not, I don't think, but he's like, if you want to like figure stuff out about Oliver, you could go to school and steal his file. For a little while, though, at the beginning of this scene, they're both like, oh, I don't trust that guy. And they think they're both talking about the same person. But yeah. then it turns out that Seth is talking about Danny and Ryan is, of course, talking about Oliver. Uh-huh. It's it's kind of a neat little trick. Yeah, it's writing. silly. It's Yeah, it's silly and stupid. It's but yes, at stupid. one point, um, Seth is like, yeah, if you really give a shit, then you could fucking steal his file. Yeah. Which is... An- <laughs> It's another reason why Seth is the absolute fucking worst in this fucking episode. <laughs> Jesus fuck, Seth. It's a really stupid segue, too. What is the name of the song that every time Ryan is going to do something sneaky, they the start sneaky playing? Song? Yeah. It's called Come Into Our Room. And okay. It's by Clinic. Thank you. So you cut immediately to Ryan on his bike. His bike at night. At night. Biking to the fucking school. So, so here are, and I'm pretty sure that every fucking entity that has ever dealt with this show critically has run into this same set of questions that we're about to pose. Okay. How did he get into the school? Well, you already know that because the security guard let him in. Okay. He was parking his bike 
And the security guard says, what are you doing here? And he says, I uh, forgot a textbook in my locker. And the guy's like, all right. And he unlocks the school and lets him in. It is the same security guard who will show up later. How logical, do? how realistic do you think that is? I've had security guards let me into my high school to get something that I forgot in my locker. Okay. But their ass goes with you. Uh, while you do that, and then they follow you out because it's they have to lock up the door behind you. It's not because they don't trust you. It's because they have to lock up behind you, and there's any number of exits and entrances to a fucking high school. So they need to make sure you leave out the way you came in so they can lock the door. I clearly either do not remember anything about getting into high school at night, have blocked all those memories out, or... My 3.2 GPA meant that I didn't give a shit about getting books that I had left in my locker. Well, so I had ADHD, so I forgot shit constantly. Mm. <laughs> I uh, I knew the I knew our security guard by name. Okay, next question. I don't remember his name now, but he gifted me a rock once. A rock? Yeah, it was a special rock that he had found that he liked. Uh, it was a, it was a cool like shiny rock. Uh, it was like labradorite or something like that. Do you still have it? I think I do, actually. I think I have it in my box that we were talking about earlier, where I kept the notes from all the kids at the daycare I volunteered at. Oh. Yeah. Anyway, oh. he said that if you held it, um, it would, it would like, start to warm with, like, the the heat of your spirit or something like that. He was religious, but anyway, mm. it doesn't matter. The heat of Jesus? But yes, it was, it was Jesus rock. Jesus heat? <laughs> Labradorite is famous for being associated with Jesus. Mm. Okay. Sorry. So yeah. Okay. So, so the questions how, continue. So he gets he got onto the campus. School. Okay. So we he approaches this room labeled file room. <laughs> it may as well be labeled confidential, Ryan. Why is this room unlocked? Right. Why is it a clearly labeled and b why is it unlocked? Most of the shit at my school, A, it was rare for for fucking rooms to have labels of any kind. They all just had numbers. We were also talking about Veronica Mars earlier today. There was an entire, like, half of an episode of Veronica Mars devoted to how Veronica, how Wallace was going to lend Veronica Mars keys to get into a file that she mm-hmm. needed because mm-hmm. he was, like, the pre- prefect? Well, he worked in the office. He worked in the yeah. office. We're going to pretend that the word that I just said was an actual word. Prefect is a real word. Okay. I don't think it applied to what he did, no. but it's a real word. But so, like, famously in teen television high school shows, <laughs> there's a big to-do made out of getting the key. Yeah. He just waltzes in and is like... Last name, comma, Oliver. Yeah, he waltzes right in, <laughs> clicks on his tiny, hilarious flashlight that he brought with him for snooping. Like, what did I say? I'm like, this fucking Watergate hotel? <laughs> his tiny, stupid little flashlight that he brought in to snoop with. Lil Ryan Woodward. Yep, yeah, he goes... You know what I love is there's a bunch of, it hardly matters what, no, I mean, to poke holes in this thing, it's already Swiss cheese. Yeah. He finds, yeah, uh, yeah, last name, comma, Oliver, opens it up. There's a hilarious letter on the left side of the page that has enormous, hysterical, get smart style red lettering on it that says, confidential. Uh huh. <laughs> and the photo attached to it basically. It may as well say top secret in cartoon letters. But the photo looks absolutely like a mugshot yeah no it totally does yeah so guess what 
Ryan gets caught doing this. A flashlight goes on his face and it's the security guard. He goes, what are you doing in here? Commercial oh, break. Oh, Ryan. Oh, Ryan. All right. Stupid Ryan. Right. Now, to be fair, Ryan does. We, we, we obviously hate Seth, but Ryan does some stupid fucking shit in this episode. But Seth also plants the idea in his head to do the stupid shit. But and Ryan does doesn't not, have to do it. He doesn't have to do it. But what I'm getting at is Seth never apologizes. Seth is never like, hey, don't actually fucking do this, you fucking Nimrod. Yeah, right. At, mo- at no point was he like, I didn't tell you to actually fucking do it, you dummy. Yeah. Maybe don't do that shit that Will and some adults mentioned this later in the episode. Jeopardize all that you have worked for to get to this point of stability in your fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, keep going. Which also is at odds with his character because he's said in previous episodes, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. always feel like I am two seconds away. Yep. So I feel like I have to be a model person. Yep. But we'll talk. We'll, we'll, there are reasons why it also sort of makes sense, I think. And we'll talk about them later. Okay. So, um, the next scene is the return of Dr. Kim. Yep. And Dr. Kim is pissed. Yeah, she is pissed. Miles O'Brien's wife, Keiko, is pissed. Sandy, Kirsten, and Ryan are in the principal's office. I'm sorry, the dean's office. The dean's office. And Sandy and Kirsten are also pissed. Yeah, they're like, what the fuck were you thinking? Yep. We learned that um, a deci- they're waiting on a decision. Ryan could either be expelled or suspended for mm-hmm. his behavior. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, again, here's another opportunity where Ryan could say anything about the justification for his actions other than uh, he spends a lot of time with her. But he also yeah, he, it's so pathetic yeah. his reasoning when he says it out loud. You can even see Sandy like put his head in his hands like, "Oh my god, these stupid kids are yeah. gonna be the death of me." Yeah, and like he says, he does to his credit a little bit. He says, "I learned that um, he cut his wrists over a girl mm-hmm. at this other school." Yep, but. Dr. Kim is like, that was two years ago. How does this school not know or care that he was bailed out for cocaine? For cocaine! For cocaine! Yes! Purchasing. Like, this isn't on some sort of permanent record or something like this? But also, why doesn't Ryan say this? Oh, yeah. Why doesn't he say that? Yep. Like, whatever. Oh, Maybe if it's not on public record. Um, this is a real stretch. This is a real stretch. If it wasn't somehow entered into the public record, uh, then maybe it fell under, like, client Bro privilege. Code? Yeah, no, no. There's no reason that they wouldn't be like... Yeah, no, there's no reason. No. There's no reason that he wouldn't be like, he attempted suicide. Um, he was caught by the police fucking trying to buy three kilograms of... Cocaine at a party. It was six pounds. We established that last <laughs> time. Uh, okay, so then we go to Anna waiting outside of Seth's class. Um, she is dressed identically to him again. <laughs> and I love the whole episode. We didn't establish in the first scene where they're deciding they're both wearing the same kind of weird track, track jacket and yes. the same color shirt with 
graphics on it. Yes. Underneath. Yes. It is yellow shirt. Yes. Yep. Um, they spend the whole episode accidentally wearing exactly the same thing to such an extent that at one point they are wearing literally exactly the same scarf and they have like a funny reaction like, oops, we accidentally wore the same, like whatever. This, this, this whole plot is so fucking tiresome. Yep. We hate it. I hate this for us. Anna has gotten tickets to see Bright Eyes, which I don't believe Bright Eyes actually appears on this television series in future episodes, but... At least not in this episode. No, I don't think they ever do. Okay. Are they on the same record, record label, Geffen Records? It's not. It's not record labels. Also, they're on Saddle Creek. Okay. They were on Saddle <laughs> Creek at the time. I don't know if they are now. <laughs> The point is not the origin or current status of Bright Eyes. The no. point of this scene is uh, Summer and the new guy walk up and he's in the middle of making another stupid joke and Summer's like, and Anna can instantly tell that Seth is bereft. Yes. Is bereft the word you would use? No, I was going to use something else and then I pivoted at the last second and it was the first B word that I could think of. Uh, he's, 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 he's benoid is what I think. <laughs> yeah, he's be jealous. <laughs> yeah, and Anna can tell. Yeah. And Anna's kind of like, you could just admit that you're jealous and Seth is like, no, I just don't think he's funny. This is the kind of awful comedy, by the way, that, so, okay. Uh, he's walking up with Summer. And he's like, oh, you got something on your shirt. Oh, yeah, that's And she looks down and he does the nose poke. He flicks around the nose. Okay. It, okay. And she loses her mind because she thinks it's hilarious. In what fucking world, I want to know, by the way, the summer that we know, the summer that we have come to know in this fucking show would think that was funny. The summer who is on a level trying to make Seth jealous. You think? Would find that funny. All right. So then Danny she comes. She has one foot firmly planted in that world still at all times. All right. So then he does the same thing to Seth. He's like, oh, you got something on your shirt there, Seth. And Seth doesn't look down. He's like, well, I'll make sure to get this dry cleaned. And he's yep. like, no, 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 buddy. No, really. You, you, you got something here. I think you're really, it's a mess. You're going to have to take a, you're going to have to get that cleaned. And Seth's like, yep, I believe you. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sure it's a big mess. I will get it cleaned. Thank you for letting me know. And he's like, no, 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 buddy. No, like it's really, it's bad. And then Anna is like, no, Seth. Yeah. Um, You've got a mess there on your shirt. And Seth's like, Ugh. and he looks down and he gets flaked. And Danny's like, ha, 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 gotcha. And everyone else is laughing like it's the funniest goddamn thing they have ever seen in their entire goddamn life. I mean, maybe this joke was new at that time. When did we say this show took place in 2003? This joke has been going on since humans have been crafting stone tools. You don't Sarah. know that. Ugg has been like, Rog, <laughs> you have dead animal blood <laughs> on your pelt. Oh, no. Grog better look down. Except that he spears him in the eye. He steals his family. Yes. That's how that joke went then. 
it was less of a joke and more of like a I don't know murder. So Jim, Jimmy, uh, new guy, the Danny, fun, Danny, Danny, the annoying one. Danny's pickup line is, or you know, seduction line to Summer is like, "Baby, I tivoed a lot of Jay Leno." <laughs> I tivoed a lot of Leno, and I have in my notes, "You." Parentheses non summer. <laughs> was it you that was not summer? Yes. Oh God. Because Jay Leno. And it's it's there. This is going to be a pointless aside. <laughs> what which of our asides are not pointless? I I put it to you. Fair. So uh, Seth doesn't strike me as a Leno guy. But nor does he strike me as a Letterman guy. Mm-hmm. He does not strike me as a Conan guy. Mm-hmm. Ooh, well. Mm. This is all speculation, obviously. I was a Letterman guy. I loved fucking David Letterman. I The, the finest uh, example of humor that kind of drilled itself into my brain was something was hilarious the more you repeated it uh-huh i learned that from letterman mm-hmm. it was great mm-hmm. i could see him appreciating letterman yeah. i don't know again this is all speculation but it's interesting that they give of all people in this episode in opposition to leno they give john stewart flowers eventually yeah they do yeah yeah it's Weird. whatever it is what it is it is what it is um it feels very you can't say that teenagers wouldn't watch Jon Stewart. You can't say that this is a writer's using the teens as a mouthpiece, but this does feel like maybe somebody paid to get a mention mm-hmm. on this television program. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. That scene happened. It's over. So, um, but, but it's not quite over, right? Because doesn't, doesn't Anna basically give the same speech no, no, Anna just says, you're jealous, and walks off. Yeah. It's later that she gives the the embrace the friend yeah. speech. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so now we're back at the lighthouse, or we're at the lighthouse for, lighthouse the, first for the first time. time. Yep. And Jimmy, uh, Sandy is alone? No, Sandy no. and Jimmy are looking through the place. They are looking through the place. The other one, yeah. Jane is later. Sandy's like, ah, oh, it's got great bones! They're coming up with such incredible ideas for this cutting edge restaurant that everyone is going to want to go to. Such ideas as two kinds of meatloaf. Yeah, because Sandy's like, ah, my mother made the absolute best meatloaf ever. I'll get the recipe. And Jimmy's like, um, no, my mother makes the best meatloaf ever. And I have her recipe. Yeah, and Sandy's like, I will have two meatloafs on the menu. We're making history here. They're going to have two kinds of meatloaf and a wet bar. Yeah, so they're going to have... But only one kind of martini. Only one martini. They're like, no frou-frou drinks. No no little umbrellas. Only the finest of scotches. Like, oh my God, all these extremely stupid pie in the sky. We're going to make it just like Garbo and whatever, whatever does he, what, I can't remember what he says. It doesn't matter. He's yeah. like, nothing that, nothing that the Rat Pack wouldn't approve of. Which is how you should operate a business that you're trying to broadly appeal 
to multiple demographics <laughs> to spend their money there. What kind of martini do you think is the one kind of martini that they're talking about? Do you think they are gin martini guys or do you think they are vodka martini guys? Oh, interesting. Uh, well, Sandy is from they're New York. They're lime pie martini originally. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? Sandy's from New York or New Jersey originally. In the the Bronx, baby. He's from the Bronx. Okay. Would a, would a Bronxian, Bronxite? What's the word for that? A denizen of the Bronx. Would a Bronxian? A Bronx. Uh, would a Branzino? <laughs> do a gin or a vodka? I'd say gin, but I don't know much about this. I don't think that you can generalize um about the bronx specifically well i think if they're leaning towards a rat pack i think it's probably gin because gin is do people from the bronx oh my like God. gin or vodka <laughs> these are the top results um scintillating um just um <laughs> God. I know you're going to be shocked. Mm-hmm. The results are inconclusive. Oh, I'm shocked. The results are inconclusive. Keep your eye on this space, everybody. I'm shocked and appalled. We'll uh, we'll find the answer yet. Mm. We'll find the answer yet. We are intrepid reporters. <laughs> um, uh, I will not rest until I have learned this. So gin is an especially acquired taste. Yeah. And I believe gin was more popular with like Sinatra mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I would assume that they would go towards gin. The larger point is all of their ideas sound terrible. Yes. Uh, and it's all extremely pie in the sky. Yep. Uh, it seems very unrealistic uh, for the actual running and operating of uh, a, a successful, yep. um, stable business. Um, really, it sounds like you know, so many conversations that I've had with people that, you know, the gist of it is, oh, this is going to be great. This is a thing that's really going to happen. It's going to all come together for us. It's going to be fantastic. And then none of that turns out happening, you know? Yeah. Which is fine. Whatever. It's an excuse for the boys to get their hopes up. Um, Sandy, you know, although he's going to put skin in the game and as much as he's willing to buy this fucking business, um, it's much less of a risk for him because he's got Kirsten's money to fall back on. Yeah. You know. Um, but this still, like... Jimmy, it's more of a risk. Yeah. But also, he's just clawing tooth and nail to hold on to this one person who he's decided is his friend. Mm-hmm. By any means he can think of. Yeah. All right. So now we cut to the Newport group. There is a entire Beyonce's entourage worth of people <laughs> flitting around Julie. Yep. And Julie is like, you should call Trevor with Trevor's curtains. And we should bring in the leopard print rug. So we need... Th- what does she say? She's like, we need the flowers. Only hydrangeas, people. Yep. She's being like a little uh, little general of her little a tiny army that she has gotten together yep. for the purposes of facing the model home. Kirsten comes in and is just apoplectic at the whole scene. Right. Julie is like, all right, people, let's break. 
and all of her little minions scatter. Yep. And Kirsten's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> she passes the aforementioned stone frog birdbath thing. Fountain. Fountain. Yep. That is in the room now. Julie. Yeah, sorry. Julie, um, we're, sub- we're kind of developing an idea of the character of Julie. New money, no taste. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, which is, I don't know. No, I've decided I don't care about the stereotype, whether it's <laughs> true or not. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I was sort of wondering in this whole section if this plot was going to be a Julie redemption arc, if Kirsten was going to be skeptical of Julie's abilities in this role, yeah. but then proved, um, you know, that, what, that Julie has an opportunity to prove herself, you know, and that it turns out, oh, she is actually good at this. That w- It was either that or, but I was expecting that. Yeah. I was expecting that. This is more, I think, in character with the actual character of Julie because she is she is doing anything she can to support herself. Yeah. Not her children. She hasn't mentioned either of her children in six years yeah, on this Even though this one show. of them is fucking spending the night in his fucking stranger's house. <laughs> Sorry. Hotel room. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, what, Julie, at one For point in this conversation... For someone who had her daughter at 18, I would be real weird yeah. about my daughter yeah. around boys. Fucking ditto. Yeah. Um, uh, what, at one point in this scene, though, she's like, you know, Kirsten, uh, sometimes you gotta spend money to make money. Yes. Because she's like, I know that it's gonna be expensive, but it's gonna be incredible. Uh-huh. It does not look like it's gonna be incredible. Who mentions Caitlin? Caitlin is mentioned at some point. Yeah, during... she's mentioned at one point. So yeah. we're like, ah, ah, she's alive. She exists. <laughs> then we're jumping ahead to the Caitlin count, but Caitlin count is one. Um, <laughs> okay, where are we? We're back at school. Ryan is kind of lurking around a corner, watching Oliver and Marissa talk at Marissa's locker. Yep. And Oliver hands Marissa an envelope, and Ryan is going to steal it. Yeah. It is absolutely clear from his little darty eyes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. He's got those. And what, does the music play again? The sneaky music? Yeah. Yes. I believe the sneaky music does play again, yes. <laughs> Which is our shorthand for the viewers to be like, Ryan's going to be sneaky. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Ryan is going to be sneaky. Yeah. But we don't see what he actually does. We see him walk up to the locker, and then we jump to the next scene, yep. which is the Cohens yelling at Ryan. Um, is it? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Is it? I'm going to throw an apple at you. They look heavy. (laughs) But yes, they are understandably upset. And this is where they bring up all of the very, very good points that he and they have both worked very hard to get him into that school Mm -hmm. and to get him to a place where he is some sort of stable. They've decided that Ryan is a teenager in this scene, so he's very sulky and teenager. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to kick me out? And they're like, no, 
no, we're going to fucking parent the shit out of you. Yep. They're and they're like, you're obviously grounded. Yep. Oh, no, they don't say that. What do they say? They say... He already has detention every day. Until the uh, school board can convene to decide what to do with him, and that yeah. date has the not... The disciplinary committee. Disciplinary committee, excuse yeah. me. Um, they say, you're going to wish that... What's the line? You were dead. No. And when you do die, you'll thank me. <laughs> is what Sandy says. No, what do they say? They say you'll wish we disowned you or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. It's 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 watching this scene as a 25-year-old as a whatever-year-old. I was like, "Just be nice to Ryan." But now I'm like, He's actually getting some structure mm-hmm. and some discipline. Mm-hmm. I would also, like, I would want, I would make him say words, <laughs> like actual words, but that's not always possible with a teenager. Yeah. Um, what is, uh, uh, yeah, oh yeah, um, he's like, what, are you going to kick me out or, you know, kick me to the curb or whatever? Um and Sandy says something like, do you, do you really think you could ever do anything that would make us? I think Kirsten says that. Yeah. 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 Sam, but then one of them reinforces it by saying, you're part of this family. Yeah. And. It's nice that they're also both united in mm-hmm. this front. And yes. There's not like good cop, bad cop. Yeah. And yeah. Kirsten like is completely that plot line where she wasn't sure about Ryan is totally gone. Thank God. Yeah. yeah. They're both like, you suck. <laughs> but. And you're grounded. You're, yeah, you're a kid, so. <laughs> um, okay, so we cut to Ryan in the pool house. There is mood lighting. He is looking very somber. Seth kind of creeps into the pool house, and he's like, hey, man, I. Hey, buddy, I couldn't hey, help it over here. You got a pretty good earful back there. Because I was, you know, listening the whole time. Eavesdropping is great. He's wearing great. his shirt that says eavesdropping rules. <laughs> Have you hugged your eavesdropper today? The back of it says dropping eaves. <laughs> like drop sleeves. <laughs> Death Cab 2004. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Seth is very focused on the moral quandary of whether or not Ryan should read the letter. Oh, well, first, yeah, okay. So, um, you know, Seth is like, you know, why the fuck did you do that? Blah, blah, blah. Ryan's like, I don't trust this kid. And Seth's like, dude, you got to fucking let this go. Like, you're really starting to... He says something like, you're starting to scare me a little bit. Like, you're really starting to get paranoid. I can absolutely see where everyone is coming from in this scene. Because, again... uh, divesting all of the parts where Seth is just a shit in this episode. <laughs> He's not making, Ryan is not making his case. He's really not. No. Again, like you said, he's not using his fucking words. He's not actually providing any kind of evidence for his suspicions surrounding yeah. Oliver. Yep. Um, so anyway, Seth is like, you know, dude, you got to fucking just drop this. And Ryan's like, oh, Yeah. Well, what do you think? Well, I'm going to drop this piece of paper, paper that I have in my bag. Oh, yeah, because he mentions the letter. Yeah. He pulls it out. And Seth is like, is that 
Is that a letter that you're writing to Oliver? It's <laughs> 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 to say sorry. And Ryan fucking... Uh, like, no, and then... Seth is like, did you tell Marissa you were going to mail that to Oliver on her behalf? <laughs> and uh, Ryan says no. Yeah. And Seth's like, dude, you fucking took that from her locker. Yeah. If she finds out, you are so fucked. Like, yeah. you're so done. She's yeah. just going to fuck. Like, she's just going to fucking leave you. Yeah. Uh, and he's not wrong. And he's like, you didn't read it, right? And Ryan's like, not yet. And he's like, okay, good. Do not fucking do that because that is her goddamn letter. Uh, you put that shit back in her locker. Promise yeah. me you will put it back in her locker. And after a very pregnant pause, Ryan is like, fine, I'll put it back in her locker. Um, then Seth is like, okay, good. I'm going to bed. I'm long and tired. <laughs> yep. He is long and tired. And uh, Ryan... Uh, immediately reads the immediately letter. Immediately reads the letter. And we do not know the contents of it, but his face. Ooh. Yeah. It acts. It drama. Yeah. Some uh, some facial expressions move across that visage. Letter, presumably, bad. <laughs> yeah. He's not exactly smiling. <laughs> it's not. He's not like... <laughs> Why, it's a list of hilarious jokes. Why, it's a Letterman top 10, which is so much better than <laughs> the, Leno, the Jay the Leno whatever. Whatever jaywalking bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Why, this is an Archie comic. <laughs> it's my favorite Garfield. Why, um, this is nothing more than Marmaduke. <laughs> Silly Marmaduke, you're a large dog. So it's the next morning. Ryan comes into Seth's room. Uh, Ryan has read the letter. Of course he fucking has. Uh-huh. And he's trying to communicate to Seth the severity of the situation vis-a-vis the letter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seth is focusing on how badly Ryan is fucking up rather than wanting to know what the fuck is in the letter. Mm-hmm. So that's a little, you know... I don't know what that is. What is it? I don't know. I read it as Seth likes Marissa and Ryan together. And that makes perfect sense. He spent most of the entire first half of the season trying to see them get together. Yeah. Um, he's honestly, he's focusing on his stupid B plot, but he's like, dude, what you've done is also illegal. He does bring that up. He's like, you know, I'm the whatever. And he's the kid of a lawyer. So like he should know from yeah. this shit being highly unethical and also very illegal. Um, that like, is a fair point. That's a good point that he is the kid of a lawyer and he knows some shit about some shit. He knows some shit about some shit. He doesn't know everything and he's still kind of a fuck up, but yeah. He has like a, a book knowledge versus experience knowledge. <laughs> yes. No street smarts. Yeah. Um, Ryan does tell him what's in the letter, right? Because we know that uh, it says things like... He starts to tell him what's in the letter and Seth is like, I don't care. Yeah. He's like, he says things like, you're my world, I can't live without you. And Seth's like, dude, get it fucking together. Yeah. You are acting like a wacko right now. Yeah. And then who should knock on the door before they can continue talking? It's Marissa. It's Marissa there to pick him up for school. And she's like, hey, do you want to take a cooking class? A cooking class. With fucking Oliver? Literally everything that she brings up in this episode, though, includes Oliver. Yeah. Literally everything. There's the cooking class. Uh, okay. There's going to his house for There's French. The French. Yeah. There's uh, going skiing at one point. Like camping. 
uh, whatever, but like everything includes Oliver. Yeah. And it's getting, even for me, a little tiresome. As I would be a little annoyed, even taking the Oliver is not well uh, aspects out of it. Mm hmm. I would be very concerned if my, if you Mm -hmm. were like, hey, I met this girl at the union and I'm not going to be home any night this week because we're taking romantical cooking classes together. Right. Oh, and we're going to the wine and cheese pairing at the... Indulgence. Hey, do you wanna? Hey, do you wanna come along with 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 us? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not like, hey, do I wanna? Do you want? Do you, my partner, want to take wine and cheese pairing with me? It's like, hey, (laughs) Oliver and I are taking wine and cheese pairing. Would you? I guess you can come too if you want to. Yeah, like, bitch. Yeah, no, everyone, everyone is the worst in this episode. Yes. Um, largely oblivious to how much the worst they are. Yeah. Ryan is like, no, thank you. Yeah. And that is the conclusion of that scene. Yeah, then they need to go to school, and Ryan... Doesn't Seth give him some eyes? Like, put the fucking letter back! Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So then we cut back to Newport Group, and Julie is breaking down because... She's crying, right? Yeah, her frog uh, purveyors... (laughs) Dropped out, and she she says, All the hydrangeas are out of season! (laughs) Hi, nothing is ever out of season anywhere in the United States of America in the 21st century. And right. that is the problem with the United States of America. <laughs> you can get anything anywhere at any time yeah. when you should not. You should not be able to. Correct. But this is the hill that this plot has chosen to die on. Yeah, so and she's weeping and sobbing. And, yep. Kirsten, and she's like, we don't have... 48 hours. My mom is Caleb is gonna. I can't show Caleb an empty bottle home. Kirsten's like. She's kind of like. She doesn't say, I told you so. She's very sweet. She's like, it's okay. We can fix this. And Julie's like, no, we can't fix it. It's no time. And Julia's like, I'll, or Kirsten's like, I'll call my vendors. Yeah, I'll call my vendors. Yep. It'll be okay. It's not. It's not going to be great. Nope. But it's not going to be a complete disaster. Um. So then we jump to the cafeteria. Excuse me. Anna and Seth are ordering smoothies. Yes. They order the exact oh, same yeah. smoothie. Okay. So, but yeah, one of the things that one of the extremely tiresome again parts of this fucking B plot is. They have decided that they're going to, like, fight this weird urge to get the same thing for some reason. So he orders what sounds like a delicious smoothie. Oh, very early in this B-plot, they're like, we're going to go do something that we've never done before. And Seth's like, we're going to do Krav Magra. Yeah. And I don't know if that was on purpose or not. They're saying it wrong. Yeah. Maybe Krav Magra just wasn't really well known at the time. Mm. I don't know. Mm. Yeah, and, and she was what? Um, she's gonna do like sports cars or something, drag racing. I can't remember. I it hardly matters. It's yeah. very stupid. Yeah. It is a very stupid plot device, and I hate it. Yep. He orders a fucking smoothie. She's like, "Oh my god, that sounds delicious. I'll have exactly the same." Then he like stares at her, and she's like, 
But I'll add banana and strawberry. Fine, you bitch. If heaven forbid we get anything similar, it's so stupid. Is this a scene where they're wearing the fucking Gryffindor scarves? No, that comes later. Ugh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, this episode is a long fucking episode. <laughs> Some episodes are longer than others, and this is a long one. Uh... This is also the point where Seth, I refuse to learn his name, Danny, <laughs> I got there. Seth invites Danny to his house to yes. play video yes, games. Yes, because, um, oh God, what is Danny doing? He comes in pretending to be a velociraptor. Uh-huh. It's very fucking Jim Carrey. Yeah. It is, ex- he even like, he even does like a Jim Carrey bite like that like thing that Jim Carrey fucking does in fucking Ace Ventura. I try not to pay attention to anything that Jim Carrey does, but so thank you for Anyway, he does that. it to one of the other students and Summer is losing her mind because she thinks it's the funniest thing in the world. Um, and to show to uh, Anna that Seth is, you know, trying to be a good guy, he's like, hey, Danny. Um, Why don't you come to my house? What are you doing after school today, buddy? I've, uh... I've got some Letterman and some Leno, Tivoed. Yeah, and Danny's like, whoa, man, Letterman and Leno. What a great comedy uh, double team that would be. Or whatever, it's so annoying. <laughs> but he's just trying to show to Anna, like, hey, look, I'm trying to lean into the whole friend thing. Yep. I'm trying to do a good job. Yep. So that's established that's going to happen. Everyone's excited about it. Everyone is stoked about that. I'm going to read you the notes that I have in full describing the next scene. Please do. Sandy has put a down payment on the restaurant. Jimmy says he doesn't have the money, comma, is generally a bitch. (laughs) Well, okay. You know, I'm loath to defend Jimmy Cooper, but he doesn't have the money. Um, But they... They, he, they, when he expressed interest in this restaurant and having a job with anyone anywhere. They were drunk. He says were, it in this scene. He's have, like, we were drunk. <laughs> you know, a lot, of, a lot of things sound like good ideas when you've had like five martinis in. But he's also like, I think this is a scene where he's like, makes some little bitchy side comment about like, well, I would be working for you. Like. Yeah. You're not working for anyone. Yeah, right. Yeah, right now, bitch. No, you are correct. He is being a little bitch. 100%. I'm not saying he's not. Yeah. But I also don't want to completely minimize the character's concerns. Yeah. I think some of them are valid. He also says, like, I don't want to be a burden. I want to work for myself. You know, you know, I want Why? What? He says, like, I don't, you know, I want to be self-sufficient or something like that. And working. It's a lot of toxic Americanisms, but. Working whatever. with friends is very tricky. For sure. For yeah. sure. Yeah. I can speak from experience. Yeah. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. I'm not talking about this podcast, by the way. This is a dream. I enjoy this quite a lot. <laughs> this also isn't work. It's also we're, a... We're not earning shit off of this. It's also a nightmare because we have to deal with Seth Cohen every other week. <laughs> All right. So that's that scene. Um, Ryan... Uh, but essentially, like, Jimmy... Jimmy kind of, like, pulls... Is this the scene where he sort of pulls out? Yeah. Yeah. 
it at least sounds to 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 Sandy like Jimmy is pulling out. So yep. Sandy's like, all right, I'll try and find and another not partner. in the sexy way. Not in the rhythm method. No. Gentlemen. No. Ladies. No one's pulling out of the blueberry muffin. <laughs> oh, good God. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Next scene, Ryan is trying to replace the letter in the locker, and he's trying to do it very subtly, and he has very sneaky face. So, okay. Is, the rest of this episode, up to and including this scene, he is dressed like a cat burglar, <laughs> but he... 2003 yes. version of a cat burglar. Yes. He has a fucking... A he, flan, Henley? Henley, what's the long... The it's, thermal. It's a thermal. Yeah, he's got a long sleeve thermal. Uh, it's a black long sleeve thermal. Thermal under a black open front button down short sleeve uh-huh. and black trousers or jeans or whatever. Yes. So okay, this is some real fucking Michael Myers Halloween shit that happens here. Okay, yeah. because. We are so in the not, hallway. Yeah, he's not actually, like, breaking into the locker no. because he knows Marissa's combination. But this is some fucking... Okay, so, listener. He's in the hallway. He's looked left. He has looked right. We're in the middle of the hallway, yep. okay? There is nobody there. Yep. There's literally nobody there. We track him. We camera track with him to the locker, to Marissa's locker. We pan down following his hands as it grabs the combination of the lock and he starts doing the combination. We pan up and pull out a little bit and who has fucking completely silently manifested as if by fucking magic next to him, leaning on the lockers, looking at him opening Marissa's locker. Who a fucking course but fucking Oliver Trask. And, uh, wow, you did his full name. Yeah. Wow. Goddamn Olivier Von Trask of the Von Trasks. Uh, it is some bullshit. Because here's the thing. Um, is this worse than... High or, school okay, floors are loud as shit. <laughs> you can hear a mouse turd rolling down a hall at fucking pee. On a fucking high school fucking floor. You, no human on the face of the planet can walk quietly on a high school floor. Because a normal shoe will go clip, clop, clip, clop. A high heel will go clippity, cloppity, clippity, cloppity. A sneaker will go wee, 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 wee. There is nothing you can do. If Oliver can't levitate, there is no answer for this fucking manifestation out of God's nowhere to appear next to one Ryan Atwood. What if this is like a fight club scenario? Yeah, oh my God, and Oliver is in his head? <laughs> it's an alternate ego that he has in his fucking second personality? That's the only explanation for how quietly he emerges out of nowhere! Yep. That's my biggest qualm with this whole episode, mm. is the fact that he just magicians himself into this fucking scene... Like goddamn Michael Myers from a fucking Halloween movie. Anyway, he's looking at Ryan. He's like, it's awful. Isn't that sweet that you know her combination? That you know her combination. 
Yeah, and Ryan somehow is again caught off guard. And he's like, what the fuck did you come from? Yeah. I would have fucking punched him in the face because yeah. he came out of goddamn nowhere. I would have like thrown the locker door into his nose. <laughs> so it should be noted that Ryan never actually, and this is, so we're here now. So I'm going to go to my mental asterisk, okay? Yep. Um, so to explain the rest of this scene. Oliver's like, it's cool that you have her combination and that she trusts you that much. And he's like, yeah, well, we're very trustworthy. And Oliver is like, well, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you, uh, why are you getting into her locker? And he's like, I uh, forgot a book. I forgot a book. <laughs> and uh, I've, I honestly almost expected Oliver to be like, cool, yeah, open the locker and uh, show me what book you're getting. Like, yeah. I expected him almost to do that. Yeah. Um, but at one point, Luke comes, right? Luke. Yeah, Luke comes on the scene, and Oliver's like, hey, buddies. So there's, like, some side dialogue about uh, Oliver's like, hey, we should all go camping. And God, I can't remember if that comes to pass, but I fucking hope it doesn't. Whatever. Um, we'll see what my opinion is when we get to the end of the episode. Yes. But um, Luke's like, yeah, man, that sounds great. And Ryan's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. All of those people definitely look like they camp. Yeah. Summer for sure. Oh, yeah, Summer for sure for loves sure. camping. <laughs> oh, yeah. She just can't get enough of it. So, um, so then Oliver excuses himself and Luke is like, I don't trust that guy. And uh, Ryan's like, do you think he, and then Luke says, came here for this school just for Marissa? Absolutely. If you want me to punch him, I will. I want to state for the record that we as a podcast, Orange, you glad we watched the OC, is Team Luke. Yes. Officially. We have officially come around. Luke is a G. Luke is ride or die. Yeah, Luke is now a Chad. Uh, I'm yep. a huge fan of one Luke Smithertoes. So... <laughs> This is this is my big fucking problem with his with this fucking scene and this trope. Okay, is you it, ready? Is it is it I'll drop the great Gatsby? No. No? No. That's a great line. Um What is it? Go I ahead. don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Either in or out of context. It makes no sense. We will not elaborate for anybody about what that means. You can watch the episode and you will not know any more than we do what it fucking means. Um no. Luke leaves. Right? Uh-huh. Now there is no one in the... No one is there except yep. Ryan. Yep. Okay? Yep. We're in between classes still. Yep. He has at least a few more seconds where he could open the locker and put the letter back. But for some reason, the fact that he was mildly inconvenienced for a few minutes by two people, now suddenly he can no longer put the letter in. Why the fuck not? Why the fuck not? Plot. Yeah, it's so stupid, though. Like, it is so stupid. It I, is so stupid. I am returning to one of Luke's lines is, the full context of this line is, let me know and I will drop the Great Gatsby on him. <laughs> Does that mean he hit him with his car? <laughs> Is that like, like fucking Daisy in the Great Gatsby? Is there like a pool in the Great Gatsby? Does somebody drown in the gonna, Great Gatsby? I feel like someone drowns. I think you're probably right. Yeah. yeah. 
And there's a lot of pools. We I keep complaining about the Chekhov's pooling and no one goes <laughs> into the pool. And maybe he's offering to gently drown Oliver. That would be nice. <laughs> maybe he's he's what he, oh yeah, he's so he's offering to run Oliver he's run his he's offering to run Oliver over with his car in a pool. <laughs> All right, listener, that's what it means. <laughs> that's the drop of the great Gatsby on somebody is drowning someone in a pool and then running them over. Over with a car. Maybe he's just threatening to read the entirety of the Great Gatsby <laughs> out loud to him. He's like, man, just let me know, and I'm gonna read this stupid book to him because it sure is a part of the American canon, but I tell you, I don't understand why, because it is very long and boring. It's gonna take six to twelve hours, and that is an appropriate <laughs> amount of time for you to get back with Marissa. <laughs> you know what? Uh, very little happens in that book. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I think the whole reason they had Baz Luhrmann uh, adapted it for uh, for the big screen is because uh, the raucous visual stylings of one Baz Luhrmann would be required to make this, mo- uh, this book in any way interesting. <laughs> I'd like to cite as an example one Moulin Rouge. Uh, but you let me know, Rye Guy. I'll be back. We can get Rihanna for the soundtrack. <laughs> I'm not entirely sure why we have both mutually decided to make Luke sound like <laughs> Sandy, but this is dire- the direction we're going. So yeah, people we, people we are in favor of, people whom we stand, uh, just start sounding like Sandy in this show. Yes. Perfect. It's canon. Yeah. All right. So now we are at the scene where Seth and Danny, I remember. Good job. Thank you. Are playing video games together. Dynasty Warriors. Dynasty Warriors. They play a lot of Dynasty Warriors in this game, which you know what? If we're trying to actually be consistent in this world. I actually kind of appreciate that Seth owns like two games. Mm-hmm. He apparently has Madden and he apparently has Dynasty Warriors. And that's great. Seth doesn't have Madden. Luke has Madden. Oh. They have one other game that you were able to identify that they were playing at some other point. Something with ninjas? Uh, Master and Commander. Master and Commander. <laughs> Master Russell and Commander, Crow. the video game. The video game. <laughs> So it's going very poorly. You've died of dysentery. Um, the video game session between Seth and Danny. Danny beats Seth soundly. And annoyingly. And annoyingly. Very annoyingly. I do not remember specifically what he does, and I did not take notes about it, but it was <sighs> deeply annoying. Yeah, he, what? He's like... He was like, your own son, or yeah, something like, like that. Ah, you bet you thought by inviting me over here that you... Well, no, no, we don't like him. He doesn't no. sound like he's like, I bet you thought by inviting me over here that you had a home court advantage. <laughs> now he's becoming Yoda? <laughs> I don't know what's happening here. He's like, I bet you thought you had a home court advantage, but you don't, son. I'm, I'm going to son ya, son. It's, and he's like, now I've beaten you, kid. And he stands up and he does like a hip thrust or something. I don't know. And Sandy walks into the scene and is like, hi, son. Who is this person on he's like, oh, my this couch? is my friend Danny. Danny, this is my dad, Sandy. And Danny says, well, you should take a shower. Right. And then he says, just kidding, I like you dirty. And 
we do like Sandy dirty. But like the But Danny is look not at Sandy's face is just so confused. He's like, uh I'm sorry. And then I think there's a hard cut to Hard Cut to the Kitchen. And Sandy in the kitchen. And this is fucking great. Seth goes, he makes Ryan look funny. Yeah, no, no, it's even better than that. It's even better than that. Um, it's hard cut into the kitchen, and Sandy's like, that kid is not funny. And Seth's like, I know, right? And it's Sandy who says, he makes Ryan look funny. And then Seth's rejoinder is, he makes Marissa look funny. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then Sandy's like, I love your mother. You know I love your mother. Not funny. <laughs> yeah, he's, then he's like, son, get funnier friends. <laughs> um, and so we go back to the living room and Danny kind of drops the very funny guy facade. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Summer talks about how funny you, Seth Cohen, are all the time. Do so you have any? Could you do me a favor? And when you're around Summer, could you stop being so funny? Yeah. Because she keeps saying you're the funniest guy she knows. Yeah. You and some guy named Captain Oates. Which is absolutely something that I would have done in high school. If I ever talked to boys, I would have been like, no, I fucking did this in high school. Oh, my God. Explain. Dish, 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 dish. I went to a full Pink Floyd concert because Robin Hayworth, the boy who sat in front of me alphabetically in academically motivated English because I wasn't smart enough to test into AP. He liked Pink Floyd, so I saw Pink Floyd at Camp Randall Stadium with my dad. Holy shit. Yeah. Yep. 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 Just to tell this boy that you saw Pink Floyd? I didn't even, like, I don't think I told him. I think I just did it to do, like, the market research. (laughs) I love it. Oh, my God. That's that's commitment. So, So, Danny, what I'm saying is Danny is... Despite the fact that I cannot place how old he is, I'm gonna the actor. I'm gonna say like early to mid twenties. Mm-hmm. Um, no, that, that 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 makes sense. That tracks. That is a kid. That is a thing that a high school kid would do. Yeah, learn a thing. Yeah, be completely embarrassing about it. So this is the next super aggravating thing that makes me hate Seth Cohen because uh, Danny is like, you know, please stop being so funny because Summer says you're the funniest guy in the world, and Seth's like, and he's oh. like. Isn't he like, do you have any tips for like yeah. being funnier? Yeah. And Seth's like, I think you should go bigger. Yeah. And he's been, this should be noted that we haven't really mentioned this. The entire fucking episode, he Seth's has- primary criticism of Danny is that he's big. Mm-hmm. He's too, he's too big. He's too big. He's broad. He's big. Broad comedy is not funny. Yeah. Says Seth Cohen. Yeah. So Seth decides to heave this perfectly fine, but annoying person In- that Summer likes. In this whole scene, he's essentially the gif of the Grinch's little smile kind yes. of yep. unfurling. With Cindy Lou Who. Yeah. 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 He's like, I think you could, I think you could go bigger. Yeah. Big is funny. I think you could go even bigger. Summer would love that. In my notes, I have sabotage accent aigu. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. He is sabotaging this completely harmless boy. And this is the thing that's most upsetting for me is he is in 
our relationship. Uh-huh. He chose Anna. He chose. He chose Anna. Uh-huh. He chose Anna. Summer has no one. Just because Anna showed up in the driveway on New Year's Eve mm-hmm. doesn't mean that this game over, he is forced to choose her. No, it's not how it works. No. That's not how it works. No. So, Summer has no one There's right now. no, it's like there's no takesy-backsies. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and Summer really likes this guy. Mm-hmm. She thinks he is very, very funny. Uh-huh. Um, she's been with him in every scene in this episode. They have been together. Um, and Seth just is a dick mm-hmm. for literally no fucking reason to this totally harmless but annoying person. Who seems nice and genuine and earnest yeah. when he has dropped the Jim Carrey. Yes. Yes. So, sabotage, we go to Dr. Kim having the world's oh, most inappropriate this is conversation. So fucking inappropriate. With Jesus Marissa. Christ. When discipline happens in a school type setting, Evan, you as a fictional educator <laughs> slash a purveyor of discipline to the youths of America. Mm-hmm. Would you pull in a teenager to say, girl, do you know what I had heard? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, my God. This is this is the equivalent of the fucking principal in Abbott Elementary, mm-hmm. like calling in a student and being like, did you know Devante messy? You should dump him. But like, it is charming when she does it's it. It's charming when she does it because it's a comedy. Yes. And we know the whole point is that it's inappropriate. So Dr. Kim pulls Marissa into this conference and she's like, I need to discuss a transfer, uh, transfer student. student who has exhibited some troublesome behavior recently. And Sweet Summer Child Marissa is like, oh, Dr. Kim, don't worry. I know I, everything about Oliver. I know about Oliver. Oliver. And Dr. Kim goes, I wasn't talking about Oliver. And then we cut immediately out of that scene. Yep. And it's, is it detention? Yes. Um, Ryan is continuing to dress like a cat burglar. <laughs> They're in what appears to be a staging room for like uh, that one, the Stanford experiment. Yeah, like you said it. It looks like a fucking gulag. <laughs> like... They're in a fucking Russian prison that they have somewhere on the premises of the school campus. Like, Jesus Christ. It's the black box in Chicago jail. I'm surprised the Volga Boatman isn't playing in the background. Like, I'm shocked they're not doing hard labor. I'm shocked that the um, authority figure teacher detention guy doesn't have, like, a switch. Yeah, or, like, a taser or something. That he's, like, prowling menacingly around the table. That he's not on a horse. Right? With, like, a shotgun on his hip. (laughs) With a fucking (laughs) hose. (laughs) Yeah, like, honestly, this shit is ridiculous. This school is so... It's, like, it's it's getting more and more absurd. It's getting almost Dada, because, like, the lounge... 
is essentially like a Grecian spa and detention is like a fucking communist prison. This is why I think they filmed it on a soundstage. This lends to my soundstage theory because none of these rooms make sense together. Mm-hmm. They just had to scramble to find uh, props to put on a soundstage. <laughs> like they have white somehow white blackout curtains in detention, don't they? <laughs> we found these in the um prop room for what's a movie that was filmed in 2003? Um, uh, THX 1138. Th- sure. Sure, why not? <laughs> yeah, these are left over from Cold Case. I don't know. Fucking something. Alright. So... Marissa is waiting for Ryan outside of detention, so mm-hmm. they're counting down the last seconds of detention in this detention gulag. Can I also say, really yeah. quick, okay, did you ever have detention? No. Okay, I had detention a few times. <gasps> so, for stupid shit, for really <gasps> stupid shit, whatever. Hey, you knew I was bad, baby. You knew I was bad when you married me. I am so turned on. Yeah! <laughs> Excellent. Um... So here's the thing. The administrator of detention does not pace around staring at the students as they do homework. Yeah. They sit at a table and grade papers. I don't believe you. (laughs) I have also seen The Breakfast Club. (laughs) In addition to this episode of The O.C. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it's extremely unbelievable, this version of fucking... But anyway, yes, he gets out, and Marissa is waiting there for him on the outside. And she's like, oh, yeah, because he had made up some excuse why he couldn't go hang out with her he and Oliver after school. furniture at the model home. Yeah, I got a stage furniture at the model home. So she's like, how come you're not helping Kirsten? And he was like, oh, I got detention. And she's like, yeah, I can see that. Uh, why do you have detention? And he makes up some excuse. What does he say? I don't remember what the excuse is, but it is clearly a lie. Yeah, and she's like, you're lying. I know exactly what the fuck you did. What the fuck is wrong with you? Are there other paths we could have took to this moment that did not involve a administrator <laughs> just bald face Being breaking like, student Girl, your boyfriend messy. Yeah. <laughs> but genuine question. Do you think that she could have figured this out somehow? <sighs> yes. Um, quite easily, actually. Um... Well, okay. Um, she could have come upon him at uh, detention because she's supposed to be in a whole bunch of extracurriculars, mm-hmm. right? So maybe she had some prom committee meeting or something like that, right? Yeah, but what I'm asking is, could she have arrived at the reason that he's in detention? <sighs> Not that I can come up with right now off the top of my head. Okay. No, we'd have to brainstorm it. Like, we got here through lazy writing, but this is already going to be a 17-hour podcast, so we're not going to rewrite this scene. Um, oh, it's fine. We're just coming up on two hours. Wow. That's like an abbreviated episode for us. <laughs> this um, is the Cliff's Notes. So, Marissa knows he's lying. She breaks up with him, is what happens. She says, I can't trust you anymore. Well, now, why does she break up with him? Because he shows her the letter. Yeah. And he's like, then explain this. 
And she's like, I've been looking for that. Yeah. Why do you have it? You stole that from my locker. And he's like, yes, okay, then that means you know what's in it. You know, you've read it. He's obsessed with you. And she says he wrote it for Natalie. Which we know is bullshit. Yeah, we know it's bullshit. She doesn't know it's bullshit. She's going to eventually find out that it's bullshit in the worst way. no spoilers. No spoilers. No spoilers. Anyway, um, she's like, he wrote it for Natalie and wanted me to read it first. Um, Yeah, and he's like... You can see the realization dawn on mm-hmm. his face that he's been an asshole and an idiot. And he's like, I'm sorry. And yeah, then she's like, I don't know if I can. Yeah, I, I can't do this anymore. I don't know if I can trust you. And then she walks past him and we're like, oh, you done fucked up so bad. You fucked up so bad. He fucked up pretty bad. He fucked up super bad. Not as bad as he's going to fuck up later, though. Oh, this is this is a moderate fuck up in comparison to what he fucking does later. <laughs> We're hearkening back to an older version of one Ryan Atwood later in the episode. But anyway. These actions make sense to me. Sure. Because regardless of how much of a family unit he's found himself in, Mm -hmm. he is used to taking care of himself. Yeah. He is used to finding, and I think I meant to really like hammer this point home when we were talking about the scene between him and Sandy and Kirsten when they were yelling at him and they were like, why didn't you come to us? And he was Mm -hmm. like, because I wanted to take care of it myself Mm -hmm. because that's just like ingrained in him. Yeah, for sure. No, it makes perfect sense. Like as much as he can't use his words or whatever, it's because he's never been able to it's because he's never had a stable parent or stable figure in his life there's been no mr hooper down the block on the sesame street asking for help is a muscle it is that requires practice and he doesn't have that muscle yeah and it's especially hard when you're a teenage boy yeah like four thousand percent especially hard and also you know when he was in the meeting with dr kim and sandy and kirsten all of his reasoning does sound extremely circumspect. Like, all of it is just because I don't like her hanging out with this guy. Yeah. You know, because, again, he's not using, like, his words to actually explain, you know, better reasoning behind his suspicions. His big boy words. Yeah, his big boy words. <laughs> <laughs> but he doesn't have the emotional language or... Uh, intelligence to be able to articulate this to marissa marissa doesn't nor should he uh marissa doesn't have the emotional language to be able to understand what's really going on so they break up yeah she it looks viewer it looks like she dumps him yep um where do we go from here from here we go to the next morning he kind of stumbles into the house i believe he is wearing oh yeah um what sandy or or seth or somebody is like hey did anybody see ryan last night and seth's like no he didn't uh he didn't he didn't talk to me when he came home he just went right to bed yep i think he's wearing the same cat burglar outfit when he walks into (laughs) the breakfast nook and they're like hey do you want breakfast you skipped dinner last night and he is fully on a uh Teen girl hunger strike. <laughs> he's in mourning. He's upset. He doesn't want breakfast. He doesn't want to wait for a ride to school. Yeah, well, what? Seth is like, hey, um, can Marissa also take me 
to school when she comes to get you because Anna blah 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 blah, blah something rather yeah and that's where he's it, like she's not picking she's me not up. picking me up and because everything is all about Seth and how things affect Seth there's like a pan to Seth's face. This is where he's wearing the Gryffindor scarf. Yes, 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 yes. yes. He has a, it's not Gryffindor, but yeah, it's a, what? It's Huffle, like a soccer Huff. scarf. It's like a soccer scarf. No, it's a fucking, okay. No, it's blue and red. It's a blue and red striped. It's like a soccer scarf. This is or like where... a, rug, a rugby scarf, rugby scarf. Blue and red rugby scarf. Harry. How dare Potter. You? How dare you? Wow. The O.C. Anyone who plays the latest Harry Potter game is dead to me, by the way. Dead to me. Dead to me. Your teacher dies in every storyline. Okay. The goblins were framed. Also, the whole storyline is basically about how maintaining the status quo is good. Okay. All of what you said is true and stands for me. Also, I cannot get conclusive results from this, but it looks like a fucking Harry Potter scarf. It's it's it. That's only because uh, what's her name is so devoid of creativity that all of her designs came essentially from soccer and rugby uh, culture. Oh, that J.K. Rowling. Yeah. No, we're not saying her name. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. That author. Yes. Um. Anyway. So, bah, bah, bah. so yeah, um, Where are we? he's wearing the scarf. I am assuming we go to school next. Yeah. I, Does Kirsten and Sandy, do they talk at all? No, they're just kind of, everyone is kind of like watching Ryan float through the scene, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, then we are back at the Newport group after this. Um, Julie is fretting. He hasn't called. Why hasn't he called? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they're waiting to see what he thinks of the, the he being Caleb Nickel. Yeah. The decor in the model home that they have slapped together at the last second. Kirsten's like, don't worry about it. I'm sure it's going to be fine. He's just late. Yep. And then one Caleb Nickel walks into the scene. Daddy Nickel walks Daddy. in. Yep. <laughs> and does she- Kirsten immediately starts apologizing. Yep. She's like, Dad, you know. Um, had- oh, yeah. He's like, well, I've just come from the model home. And she's like, Dad, we were really rushed. We had very little time. Blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that. It was super last minute. And Kayla was like, what are you talking about? I loved it. It was understated and tasteful and blah, 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 blue. Right. He's like, it's the best model home that you've ever actually faced. Yep. Kiki. Um, Julie gets the the design job permanently. Yep. He's like, well, you may as well remove our ad from the paper. Because, <laughs> because we've got our girl. He says, we've got our girl. Yeah. Which is such a weird fucking way to phrase it. It's weird. These are adult ass human beings, but whatever. He's Caleb Nickel. It's fine. This will surely end well. Because <laughs> this means... Listener, this means that Kirsten and Julie are going to be working together in close proximity for the ongoing future. Which Caleb is stoked about. He's like, and the fact that your friendship is so close makes this makes this decision all the easier. Yes. We're like, yeah. Friendship. They're friendship. <laughs> They're so close. <laughs> They're definitely not forced to be close because of external circumstances <laughs> that we won't talk about. <laughs> Why do you ask? And it's great because upon his exit, he passes he passes the frog water fountain. Yep. And he looks at it and he's like, Kiki, 
Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) He like pukes in it or something like that. (laughs) He's like, get this thing out of my... He's like, have this thing destroyed. I don't think that we actually alluded to the frog fountain um, other than in the intro. Yeah. Um... Julie had sourced a indoor frog fountain <laughs> that was supposed to be a functional spewing water thinking guy in the model home. In the model home, <laughs> and Kirsten was like, oh. "Yeah, she was like, dude, all you need is some some throw rugs and some paintings, like." What and did she, she say? Is, She's like, we're selling a space. She is correct. Yes. She is correct. Every in the before times, you and I used to enjoy. Kind of going to open houses. Oh yeah, sometimes. for sure. But on we only, the, the wealthy upper classes on Lake Drive. Yes, but we only went to the very wealthy houses, and the most nightmarish house that we <laughs> were in was one where, first of all, this is a complete tangent. Tangent away, baby. We're almost, we're only at two hours. It's fine. We got time. Um, there was carpet in the bathroom. But they also had a opera and clowns motif. It was uh, it was cherubs. But there I were also clowns. You. Were there also clowns? There were clowns. I believe you. I have there pictures were a lot somewhere of cherubs. on my phone still. Oh no, I remember now. You're yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there was opera music being piped in every room of the house. Um, yeah, I remember the cherubs everywhere. I also remember the sort of sad, embarrassed look on the realtors' faces because mm-hmm. they understood the lemon that we were all standing in. The idea was supposed. The idea of any house is you're supposed to look at it and go, "Oh, I could put my painting of yeah. my uh, daughter's naked butt here. <laughs> I can fit my life in this space." Yeah, yeah. If it's too cram packed full of bullshit. You can't imagine how your life will fit in this space. If the bullshit looks like a serial killer inhabited it, <laughs> which is what <coughs> I fear, yeah, a frog, yeah, a working frog fountain, fountain. yeah, is giving. Yeah, so Caleb's like, Jesus Christ, have yep. this demolished. Yep, Kiki. Yeah, because of course he thinks fucking Kirsten would ever do anything with that. He's like, Kiki, oh my god, what's wrong with you? Yeah. It's, womp, will, womp, it's, womp. it's willful blindness, but we've established that that is a dynamic between Caleb and his daughter. But it's funny. It's funny. It is funny. Yeah, so it turns out they're going to be working together. It's, 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 it's a less fraught beat of this plot. She's going to, she Julie's going to be her Kirsten's mom. Mom and boss, probably. <laughs> Boss mom. Boss mom. You've heard of boss baby? Here comes <laughs> boss mom. Okay, so now we're at school and Summer is kind of realizing that Danny is not funny. Well, like, uh, first, I think, do we see Ryan? He's at the foot of the steps and he's looking up and Marissa's there talking with a friend. That yeah. isn't Summer. No, it's some, like vague redhead yeah that we see the back of and kirsten catches sight of ryan and and kirsten sorry not kirsten marissa catches whatever they're all white bitches so (laughs) marissa catches sight of ryan that was i mean i'm just saying it's gonna be a lot more oedipal 
than we have discussed yeah, if sorry. it was Kirsten. Um, uh, and she excuses herself from the conversation and goes to Oliver, Oliver who's, who's standing right nearby. Yeah. And they walk away together. And mm-hmm. Ryan is like, fuck. Yeah. Then we cut to... And this is all being scored by a very wistful Damien Rice song. Thank you. That I used to openly cry to. Aww. Yeah. Thank you for the context. Yeah. Do you know the name of it? Cannonball. Nice. Yeah. Good job. Listeners, check 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 it out. Damien Rice Cannonball. Damien Rice dated Renee Zelliger um, for a hot second. That is my Damien Rice trivia. There you go. Also, he's Irish. Oh, hey, more hey. trivia. All right. Just keeps coming. Twos of trivia. Um, <laughs> then so we then, go to Seth. So and, then we're inside, yeah, yeah. and Summer is like, Danny sees Summer from across the hall and like grabs okay. some well, okay. extra. Yeah. So wait, okay, hang on. So before that, okay. um, Seth finds Summer and she's like, hey, Cohen. They're both kind of leaning against the lockers. Yeah. And Cohen's like, how you doing? And she's like, well. I think I have to break up with Danny. She's like, I really liked him. And I thought he was super funny. But suddenly now. bigger. Yeah, she's like, he's gotten big. Yeah. And that's where you cut to Danny. He's in the hall. Yeah. And he's like, hey, Summer! And then he starts dry humping someone (laughs) and rides them like a pony. I'm not even exaggerating. Rides them like a pony into into a classroom. Or into a bathroom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can, like, hear his voice in the bathroom, like, Is this the gay panic moment? I would assume. Yep. Yeah, probably. Just chalk it up. Chalk it up. We'll just say yes. And uh, and fucking Seth, of course, is like, oh, that's pretty funny. Because fuck you, Seth. Yeah, and she's like, oh, I guess I'm going to die an old, sad hermit because no one fucking likes me. That's a normal person. And he's like, yep, sucks for you. Wop, wop, wop. No, but then he's also like, well, you know. This whole fucking, I am absolutely, I'm in orbit of just incandescent rage just yeah. powering me yeah. around the globe. It sucks. Yeah. Because he's like, well, maybe in your single spinsterhood solitude, you could come watch the daily show that I have TiVo'd. He's such a piece of shit in this episode. Yeah. He's such a pointless piece of shit in this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hate where I can see them driving this. Yeah. I absolutely hate it. Oh, it's going there. Because I shipped even... him and Anna a million percent. Yeah. Because that's the story that makes fucking sense. Uh-huh. And the fact it is so aggravating that the fact that the, the, the writers of this show are trying to sell us a plot point of two characters being too similar as being a bad thing. The two romantically attached characters being too similar and liking things that are similar is a bad thing. No. I want to find every one of these writers, wherever they are now, and slap them. Yep. Slap them in the face and just yep. be like, episode 17, you You're know get, what you did. You're going to Will Smith them. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Keep Summer's name... Out your mouth. Out of your mouth. <laughs> I'm surprised it took us this long to come up with that stupid joke. <laughs> wow, it's not close to relevant. No. That happened like years years ago now at this point. All right, so next, Jimmy show, finally shows up yes. in the lighthouse. Okay, so um, it uh, 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 there was a very brief conversation that happened earlier between Sandy and Kirsten where she was like, what are you going to do now? I can't believe you're buying a restaurant. And he's like, well, I might not be. 
because I need a partner of some kind. So, um, what? This is my question. Do mm-hmm. you? I, uh, do you need a It's alone? a weird pointless plot device that they have here. No, yeah. you don't. Do you need a partner, especially do you need a partner who clearly is financially insolvent? Yeah, and like doesn't actually necessarily want to be doing this. No, I don't think you do, but whatever. It's an unnecessary plot point that they have just wrenched in here un- 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 pointlessly. Like it would be one thing if Jimmy was a backer. I understand uh-huh. that lots of restaurants have like people investing mm-hmm, in small mm-hmm. proportions but jimmy is in a apartment that he is probably going to get evicted from yeah i mean he said as much he's like i have no capital yeah and then beyond that he's not going to be good at raising capital no one trusts him no one likes him or trusts him. no one will touch him with a fucking dead foot fucking pole yep with a dead rat on the end of it Absolutely not. So, okay, we're at the lighthouse, and uh, Sandy is meeting with the owner, and the owner's like, ah, my dad gifted me this place. I never thought I'd have to sell it. And uh, Sandy's like, uh, you know, ah, just just give me a little time. I can find a partner. And uh, the owner is like, hey, Sandy, two come more on. People. Yeah, I got two more offers on this thing already. Uh, and that is when Jimmy Cooper comes through the door. and is like, did I miss it? Am I late? And he's like expressing that he's scared and Mm -hmm. he has a lot of trepidation Mm -hmm. and he's unfortunately correct in that a lot of restaurants fail. Yeah. Oh yeah. He says it. He's like restaurants fail. Yeah. Yeah. They absolutely fucking do. Yeah. Oh my God. It was already like not a great fucking business model before the pandemic, which is where we are obviously, but shit's gotten real bad now, especially. But also like what other choice does he have? At this point, if he doesn't want to move to Phoenix, which it seems like we want to keep this character in this show for some reason, yeah, I suppose, fine. This makes as much sense as anything else does. You went through half the alphabet to name all of the plots <laughs> at the beginning of this. We can get Was rid of... Was this D? I don't fucking know. We can get rid of somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. We don't need this enormous it's... ensemble cast. No. Especially if they're not going to be... This is the other thing. For the last few episodes, Jimmy has not actually acted as a parental character. Mm -mm. Neither he nor fucking Julie, because Julie fucked off to fucking Paris for the last how many ever episodes. Uh Where are Marissa's prayer and fucking guardians? It's a good question. We don't have the answer to it. So now we're back at school. Yeah, we fucking are. Yeah, we fucking are. And you want to take us into this scene? Is this where Ryan is playing pool? Yes, it yes. is. Okay. Ryan is playing pool, and one Oliver Trask uh, comes up and is just sort of staring at him creepily like he does. And Ryan is like, you know, I'm sorry. Um, I was wrong about you. I was wrong about you. Uh, you know, want to apologize. And um, Oliver gives him like this little like half smile and like chuckles a little bit. This is, you know, the thing where in every, like, James Bond movie, the villain has the opportunity to monologue yep. about how they're going to villain instead of shooting the gun. Yep. Yep. That's what this is. And it's... Okay. Yes. So, Oliver says, basically... The exact line is, I don't mean to keep cutting you off. No, oh, please. If you know the exact line, go for it. Did you think that I came here for Marissa? Mm-hmm. Yes. And Ryan's, uh, what does Ryan say? 
It was like, no. I, it, it, just the general expression of no, I guess not. Yeah. 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 And then uh, he chuckles a little bit, right? Yep. And he's like, Ryan, here's the deal. Uh, and he basically lays out like Marissa and I are meant to be together. You and Marissa come from two different worlds. You were never going to work out anyway. He says at one point, you know, uh, I didn't even have to raise a finger and look what happened to you. Uh huh. You know, um, and he, it, there's a bunch of frankly condescending shit about you still have an opportunity to make something of yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he does the old classic, um, who would believe you? Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah, because Ryan says, I'm not going to let you do this. Yeah. Yeah, and that's where Oliver's like. Ryan is acting the shit out of this scene. Yeah. But so is Oliver. Yeah. I'll give credit to that actor. He is doing an excellent job. Oh, we're, we always give credit to yeah. The, yeah. the actor who is playing Oliver Trask. He is the, uh, the, 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 the most excellent um, villain. Right, and he's like, you know, who would believe you anyway? Yeah. Um, you know, just do the right thing and... Here's the one thing that I agree with Oliver Trask on that he says. Mm-hmm. Why waste your energy on someone who you are not going to think about 10 years from now? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, do I think it is a person... We keep going back to self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Do I think it is a thing that a teenager would be <laughs> self-aware enough to say? Absolutely the fuck I do not. <laughs> but he's right. Yes. No, he is 100% right. Um, and here is my big... Here's my big reveal, everybody. You ready for my big reveal, Sarah? I am. I'm now fully Team Oliver. I know I'm going to be disappointed. I know I'm going to be disappointed. But with this villain monologue, (laughs) I'm like, yes, queen. (laughs) Like, for real. I'm like, yeah, wow. Uh, You played the game perfectly. Like, you didn't have to do shit. And, And you let Ryan completely unravel his relationship. Yeah. Um, by doing basically nothing. Yeah. Except pretending to be who you're not. Um, pretending to be who you're not and giving Ryan enough gaslighting. He gave what? Uh, here's the he gave him enough rope to hang himself. But no, that's not what I wanted to say. No. Because in private with Ryan, every time he's alone with Ryan, he would show his hand. But never explicitly. Not as explicitly in this conversation. But, uh, you know, this is the most explicit conversation. But every time they were alone together, he would show his hand in a way that Ryan could not uh, convince anyone who Mm -hmm. came into the scene afterwards. He would always show his hand deniably. Yeah. Right? In a way that could be, yeah, plausible deniability. Yep. Um, I'm 100% Oliver now, honestly. Like, I don't give a shit if he's going to murder Marissa. I don't care. Like, he wins. He wins. <laughs> I'm, I'm super here to watch Ryan wallow in misery uh, while he watches Marissa paraded in front of his eyes by his, his nemesis uh, as a trophy that uh, he has no claim to. I'm a huge fan of it. And you know what? 
It's all because he didn't trust her. You're a monster. He didn't trust her. If he just would have trusted her, he'd still be together. He trusted her. Did he? he? Didn't trust Oliver. Did he? Yeah. Did he? Yes. Did he? Yes. Did he? Yes. Did he? Shut up. Yes, dear. <laughs> so he's saying all of these things. He's like, well, you 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 did a good job, buddy. Best yeah. of luck, chin up, etc. Yeah. And he walks Ryan away. Loses Ryan is seething. Higher shit. Fuming, steam pouring out of his little ears, his wrist cuff ablaze. It is return of Ryan Punch. It is return of Ryan Punch. But he doesn't just punch; he fucking ta- he tackles him from behind. Yeah, he he fucking throws his whole body into him from behind, spins him around, and starts beating him in the face and head. I think it's very deliberate that Oliver does not fight back at all. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Oliver is way smarter than Ryan. Yeah, he know he smiles when he's on the ground bleeding. Yeah, because he knows this is the nail in the coffin. Yep. Ryan is not only going to get expelled from school, he has permanently lost Marissa. Yeah. There's nothing he can do now to get her back. Yeah. yeah, cool. You landed a few punches. I hope that makes you feel better because you have sealed your fate. Like, you get nothing now. You lose your school. You might lose your family because I could press fucking charges, my dude. I could send you back to fucking prison, my man. Like... Holy shit! God tier fucking villainy! I goddamn love it! I mean, I love it in an abstract sense, but I also just want the best for Ryan. I don't know, man. Team Oliver. Yeah. I love a villain. Mm -hmm. I love a villain. But he's not even my fucking villain for this episode. We'll go into that later. All right. Um, but yeah, okay, That's so we the end, end of the episode. Do we end on that? We just end on we end them basically like, oh no, do we end on him smiling? Yeah. Yes. So he, his face is beaten and bloodied. Oliver's face. Oliver's face is bleating and beaten and bleating. <laughs> bleating and bloodied. And he yep. smiles because he knows. Yep. He knows. Yep. Oh, delicious. And I was just, I was just laughing at this point. I'm like, yes. I loved it loved it. I don't hate the Oliver storyline anymore because now I have a new hero to root for and it's Oliver Trask. Oh my God. <laughs> You're a monster. Yeah. So what are we, uh, what's next on your uh, list of questions? Question for discussion. Yeah. Who is the worst set of parents in this episode? <laughs> your choices are Yeah. the Coens. Mm-hmm. The Coopers, mm-hmm. or the completely absent. I have all of her last names in my notes. But Trasks. The Trasks. The Trasks. Um, I don't think the Trasks exist. Okay. I think that. Do you think that Oliver was formed in the forehead of Athena? <laughs> I think. Um, I think that he killed them. Um, <laughs> and he's still you. And he's just stealing. He's using their bank account. Okay. And saying that, you know, they're still in. He's managed to doctor all the paperwork for his school transcripts uh, and his, you know, um, tr- uh, transfer and everything like that. 
uh, yeah, I think he's just using all of their money. Um, he's slowly whittling through it. Uh, they're obviously wealthy enough that the money is still coming in. But yeah, I think he murdered them. Uh, he's hid their bodies, probably in another country. Um, yeah, no, I think they're dead. I don't think Natalie exists. I think that he's made her up or he also killed her, um, uh, is my guess. Um, so yeah, no, it can't be the Trasks. Uh, the worst, the worst, oh, this is an easy question for me. And I, I don't know if you have a different answer. Um, the Coopers are barely fucking parents anymore, at least functionally for the plot. Do you have a different answer? Or do you think the Trasks are alive and are just shitty, shitty parents? I think, I don't, I, I, this is not the kind of show to have a... No? No. Teen serial murderer. (laughs) I don't know, man. I don't know. It's done shit weirder shit in the past. I think that the Coens are the most inconsistent for me. Because going back to the session with Dr. Kim, Mm -hmm. Sandy was there. During the cocaine yes. bust. Yes, he was. Sandy has a lot of information mm-hmm. on Oliver, one Oliver middle name, Trask. Yes, 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 yes. Oliver Dandleyman uh, Trask. Oliver Dandleyman Tennis Court. <laughs> Oliver Dwagnavin. <laughs> Dwagnavin. <laughs> Did you just say Oliver Tennis Court? I did. <laughs> That's where it was conceived. Yes. And born hilariously. They spent so, a lot of time on the courts. So they take a lot of pains to like make parallels like, oh, he's just like you. He came from a weird troubled background and blah, blah, blah. Yep. Sandy has concrete information on where their two paths diverge. Sure. Yeah. yeah that yeah. he could have said, hey. No, this kid actually seems like he's got some shit happening. Yeah, at least Ryan never was caught buying a buttload of drugs. Yeah. Um. So the, the but but the Coens. Are so you're saying inc- they were inconsistent. They're inconsistent, but they try. At least you say. So are you saying that you like the Coopers better because they're consistently bad <laughs> and absent entirely from their fucking daughter's lives in this episode? I mean. The last few episodes, actually. That's where the trajectory... No, this isn't who I like the most. This is who is the best at parenting and the worst at parenting. Okay, well, the Coopers are the worst at parenting. I'm going to say the Trasks are the worst at parenting. Oh, you think they're not dead? They're not dead. I mean, I don't... This is not a spoiler, but they're not going to fucking kill his parents. It's too bad that you actually know. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but... I would want to be present for at least one transfer of my child from one school to another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. That's fair. Here's the question. Did they ever exist? <laughs> or was he just formed? Is he a test tube baby? Is that what you're asking yourself? No, I'm going back to the Fight Club theory. Oh! Yeah. Okay, so it only wouldn't hold water because um, it would be impossible. <laughs> Is that all? <laughs> That's the only flaw. That's the one flaw in the plan. 
it's, it's an utter impossibility. All right. But beyond that, it's watertight. Good. <laughs> okay. Is that's the only discussion question I had? Uh, I can't. I can't think of. Well, no. Okay. I will, this is. Do you want to write an acrostic love poem to Oliver real quick? Well, no, but this is sort of, it's sort of related. O is for the way you're Oliver. L is for the organ, the liver. (laughs) (laughs) I is for the artist, Bon Iver. V We're not is for the you. loving. If you are a top and a bottom, you're first. <laughs> okay. 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 E would be for ER. I'm just oh saying God. we're just spelling out Oliver for all the things. <laughs> okay. So my question to you is, I want to know what your... Where your reaction to my heel turn is and my standing Oliver now. Honestly, I'm numb. Oh, yeah? No, I, 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 he. He's a well-written villain. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. and I can appreciate how deftly this was done, but I still, I fall short of being team Oliver oh, because of this. I love the other thing that he said is he was like, it's because of you that she was in therapy and she That's met how me. I met her. Yeah. Without you, she wouldn't be in my life or he, I wouldn't be in her life or something yeah. like that. Yeah. God, he just knows how to twist the knife. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Team Oliver. Mm-hmm. I hope he and Marissa get married. Honestly. I hope uh, the next episode, it just cuts to, you know, 20, 20 years, years later. later. Yeah. They're happily married. Right. You know, yeah. Ryan is um, in a shelter somewhere. Uh, he's had to have one of his legs amputated from alcoholism. Oh you know, um, he's highly jaundiced, you know. Well, we're going to see. We're going <laughs> to see what happens. Keep in mind, there are still roughly 10 episodes Jesus left of Christ. this season. Oh, my God. Yeah. Are we on to uh, heroes and villains? Yep. Heroes and villains, you go first. Hero is no one. Oh, come on. That's a cop out. Hero is Danny. (laughs) You know what? Actually, I kind of see that. Danny was the most genuine person of this episode. (laughs) I can't keep picking Luke. We're already, we know that we've established Team Luke. He's all in like one scene of this fucking show too. Yeah. This episode at least. Yep. Um, Daddy is your, is your, I mean, if you wanted to, you could have co, co co-heroes of Luke and Danny because they're both the genuine people of this episode, but you don't have to. You can just do Danny if you want to. It's Danny. Yeah. uh, He was robbed. Uh, Justice for Danny. Mm Mm-hmm. Keth so- uh, Sowen. Seth Cohen sucks. Um, I, I like to think that Danny has calmed down somewhere mm-hmm. in the world of Newport mm-hmm. and has mm-hmm. uh, found like a 
middle ground between well i'll tell you what hopefully he started participating in like comedy sports i was gonna say exactly that he found his local comedy sports and he found somebody there who thinks he's the absolute cat's pajamas and also has a terrible sense of humor Mm -hmm. yeah and he's doing improv to this day yep yep he's doing improv uh in that pussy yep yep He's yeah. He's doing the he's doing like the Ace Ventura butt talk, but with his lover's uh, Volvo. Yes. Okay. Uh, or, my hero is uh, Oliver. My hero of the episode is one hundred percent Oliver. He advocates for himself. Um. He does what's right for him. He follows his goals. Um. I am. I'm not even being facetious. I'm not even being like shitty. Oliver Trask is the hero of this episode for me. Like. Uh, he's very measured. Um, all of his actions uh, are completely in line with uh, his goals. Um, yeah. Do you know whose actions were in line with their goals? Hitler. Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. I was not expecting to get sturgeoned in this fucker. Is it Sturgeon's Law? I don't care. Shit. Now I have to know. Or no, is Sturgeon's Law the one that 90% of everything is shit? What is Sturgeon's Law? According to success tax professionals, Sturgeon's Revelation, commonly referred to as Sturgeon's Law, is an adage commonly cited as 90% of everything is crap. Okay. Um, fuck. What's Godwin, the one? Godwin's Law. What is Godwin's Law? This is why this podcast is so good. Humorous. The theory that as an online discussion progresses, it becomes inevitable that someone or something will eventually be compared to Adolf Hitler or the Nazis. There we go. Yep. Good job. Good job. We got there. We got there. You Godwind me. I did. You Godwind me. You know, there's no one else I would rather have Godwind me than you. You are the Godwind beneath my wings. You are the God beneath my wing. Um... Yeah, I know. It's shitty. But, like, uh, I can't... uh, I'm basically going to have to disqualify individuals to get to Oliver. Mm -hmm. Um, Ryan is my villain uh, of the episode because he plays himself uh, and he breaks Marissa's trust. He does terrible shit basically the whole time. Um, Seth is uh, my co-villain because he's just a fucking putz in this episode. Um, so they can't be my hero. Uh, Sandy can't be my hero um, because... Uh, I don't know. He does a good job. He does a good parenting. But he should fucking... If he's spending some time with Jimmy, he should be like, why the fuck aren't you taking care of your kid? Like, <laughs> she's sleeping with in the same place, in the same hotel room as this kid that I got out of a fucking drug charge. He doesn't do a good parenting because he offers no helpful evidence that he has full knowledge and capacity of... Oliver's past? Oliver's shit. Sure. Um... Kirsten, eh, whatever. She's kind of a non-entity for me in this episode. Um, 
uh, Daddy Nickel. Uh, he's really not in it enough to be my hero. Same with Luke. I love Luke. Uh, but um, he... Ah, he doesn't trust Oliver, but he also doesn't come to the defense of... He's very conveniently absent mm-hmm. for most of the conflict of this episode. Mm-hmm. He would be my hero if he actually stood up for Ryan in front of someone else. Right. And my guess is, if I needed to guess, um, I'm going to guess that in following episodes, Luke will actually potentially be an input to Marissa um, in favor of Ryan and against Oliver. That would be my guess. We'll see if it comes to pass or not. Um uh, Anna, I can't really have my hero because her B-plot is so annoying. Um, and she makes Seth look down to get poked in the nose. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry, but your girlfriend needs to be ride or die helping you not get poked in the nose by Danny. All right. I'm here to say that. Um, you need to be a team. Um, Summer can't be my hero because she thinks Danny is funny and he is explicitly not funny. Uh, and he's written to not be funny. But anyway. So, yeah. No. My hero. Uh, Oliver. Oliver Trask. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. Not not sorry about it. Villains. Ryan is my villain. Ryan. He does shitty things. You, you mentioned. He betrays trust. You can't do that, my man. You can't do that. You got to trust. Got to have trust or you can't be trusted. That is Ben Fold's song. Mm. Mm. Who's, your, uh, who's your villain, Sarah? The writers. Ah, this has happened in a few episodes now. Why are the writers your uh, your villain, my love? The writers are so dumb that they don't know that a file room should be locked. <laughs> the writers think that you have to have more than one individual who is willing to buy a restaurant. <laughs> right? The fucking seller doesn't give a shit. If you've got the money, that's all he fucking gives a shit about. He doesn't Uh give a shit if it's going to be successful. He couldn't make it successful. Why the fuck would he care if you can? Give him the money. That's what he wants. The writers are deeply inconsistent when uh, in the scene that I keep referencing with Dr. Kim. Oh, man. Holy shit. Is that like just the thought that the dean of a fucking oh, high school. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of that. I was thinking of the confrontation with the parents, but absolutely the dean of a fucking high school would not take a high school junior aside right. who's on all the planning <laughs> prom committees and be like, did you hear that this guy who's like your The boy you're dating? I gave him detention. <laughs> Do you want to date someone who has detention? Did, did you hear why he was in detention? Because I'll tell you. <laughs> Let me trade you your pink nail polish <laughs> for my slightly less pink nail polish first, and then we'll gossip. This is what girl. we'll do is we'll fold one of those things. <laughs> one of those things where you, you open it like a flower mouth thing. And it'll be like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Ryan broke into your locker and stole the letter. <laughs> Did you know that Ryan stuck into school after hours and was in the clearly labeled and unlocked filing cabinet? <laughs> oh, my God. 
To say nothing of the fact that, okay, if the file room isn't locked, uh-huh. those filing cabinets are the model that locks. You could fucking lock those. You should lock those. At least throw in a two-second dizzy secretary subplot who forgot to lock the door yeah. and the cabinets. Yeah. Or have Ryan befriend Veronica Mars, <laughs> who has the key to all. This would have been an excellent opportunity for a crossover. It would have been like, hey, Wallace. Hey, Wallace, you get me into this fucking school. Um, yeah, God, totally unlocked, clearly labeled. <laughs> like, again, it should have been had. It should have had, like, a huge sign that said, Top Secret Confidential, do not open. <laughs> do not open Ryan Atwood. <laughs> Shit. You're right. The writers are, yeah, they're real bad. They yep. did a real bad job. Not good. No bueno. No. Uh, zero stars. All thumbs down. We'll watch next episode. So I got to say, uh, sort of my roundup, last episode I was totally fed up and furious with the Oliver plot line. Now I'm delighted, just <laughs> delighted. I've got a new lease on life, you know, <laughs> stoked about next week when we get to record another one of these and I get to see um, the exploits of my new hero, Oliver Trask. Mm. Uh, and uh, may, he, may he live long and prosper with his uh, his beautiful new wife. It's uh, really cute. Marissa if you Trask. Think anything lasts long in this series. <laughs> we still have so many subplots to cycle through. Well, here's my uh, okay, here's my prediction for next next episode. This is not a real prediction. This is me being facetious. Okay. Um Ryan goes back to prison uh, <laughs> immediately. First scene is him uh, is the judge throwing the book at him. Um, Mr. Atwood, you know, we had such high hopes for you. You had such promise. Nope. Uh, not even juvenile, just full on prison. Gen pop. Bam. Uh, he's gone. Right. We don't go to Orion ever again for the rest of the show. They adopt Oliver Trask. Nope. Oliver Trask is now part of the family. Um, because it turns out that his parents die in a chalet accident. Um, a mysterious chalet accident. Correct. Yes. Um, uh, Seth and he get along famously. Uh, he and Marissa get along famously. He takes everybody out camping. Everyone loves it. Luke comes around on him. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's my prediction. I think it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. Uh, it's going to be less dramatic, but, you know, it'll mm-hmm. still be fun to watch. Mm. Uh, Ca- Ca- yeah. California? Do you have another hall, Evan? <laughs> What was that? Juvenile Hall. <laughs> Evan. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> or two weeks from now. We're on a two week thing. Yep. California, Sarah. California. <laughs> you just listened to Orange You Glad We Watched the OC, the show about watching and talking about the OC. Recorded in Guest Bedroom Studios. Hosted by Sarah and Evan. Original concept and discussion questions by Sarah. Audio recording and engineering and editing by Evan. Please give this podcast as many stars or thumbs up as the platform you're listening to it on will allow you to give us. 
Copyright 2023.